the path of the witch is so unique. The, the gift of witchcraft. I was able to see, hear, and communicate with spirits. A very personal relationship between a person and spirit. Carnal lust and some things like that. Working with different energies and spirits and communicating. Creating magic. Powerful yeah. ritual and powerful <laughs> spells. She's actually sending me in the cold. The role of the witch is to make change. Bless it be, y'all. Bless it be. People ask me, like, okay, I'm a witch, and I don't know what to do. Twenty years ago, three young friends realized they were witches. They scattered to different parts of the world, following magic and spirit. Now, they're back in their hometown to share what they've learned. Welcome to That Witch Life Podcast, your home for living as a witch in today's world. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to That Witch Life Podcast. I am Courtney. I am hosting today's show. I am here with Hillary. Hello. And Kanani. Hello. And it is our two-year anniversary special. Fuck so yes. Crazy. Oh, my God. Um, so crazy. We, ha- <laughs> we have... So weird. People have been listening to us for two years. And they're I'm, still... They're yeah. still listening. I'm the, stoked. And they're not an Arkham or anything like that. Like, I know. Harley Quinn hasn't had to bust them out at all. It's like lately. I know. It would be great. And so... We actually have three people coming on today that we each interviewed separately. Um, we've had, it, it's, it's been such a phenomenal journey just in the last two years that has impacted my magical journey in big ways. And we have all agreed that that's one of the many gifts of this podcast, in addition to meeting all these awesome people and having a lot of fun is what it has done for us magically. And I mean, I could say personally that every single person we have spoken to has shaped my path in some way. Same. Yeah. But I I definitely think that's fair to say. Yeah. And, but so we were trying to figure out what would be the the thing. And we thought it would be interesting if we each did a short interview with the people that have, of that, that have, who have been on our show that have specifically impacted our magical journeys. And, Hillary has interviewed Najah Lightfoot. Um, I interviewed David Shee and Kanani um, interviewed Anwen Avalon. So those interviews are coming up before we get started. Um, let's, I, I have a major rant. I'm going to go down the hole and have a big oh, rant. Man. No, it's coming. This is a good one. I'm ready. You're ready. But before I do that, how are you? How are you ladies doing in this mess of a world? Which, by the way, I realized this morning, we record our episodes on Mondays. And so the episode that was released the day we're recording this, Monday, January 11th, was recorded on January 4th before our country went to fucking hell. So I was like, did you think we didn't say anything because we just didn't? We didn't because it hadn't happened yet. So yeah. yeah. Anyway, how are you guys doing in this, whatever the fuck is going on right now? I mean, it's, it's chaos. (laughs) I mean, like, you know, the thing is, is like, uh, I think that it's, everything is overwhelming, especially energetically right now. I just find like, I find that like everything feels really tense. I mean, even though again, like, you know, I don't, I'm, you know, in my house, which I never leave in Southeast Portland, Oregon, I, none of this is like on my doorstep. And yet like, it's so palpable. Here's the thing that's interesting to me though. Okay. Unlike 2020 to me, 
2020 was just day after day of what the actual fuck, what the actual fuck is happening right now. This, we saw this shit coming. So to me, ironically, this is not nearly as jarring as most of the rest of 2020 because most of the shit that was coming at us was like stuff we've never even experienced in our lifetimes. Things that no one could imagine happening ever, ever, ever. We all knew this would happen. We all knew that he wouldn't accept an election loss. We all knew that it was going to be, you know, for, for all my fellow mamas out there, like dragging a screaming toddler out of Target. Hook them <laughs> under your shoulder, walk on out. They're screaming their head off and you are just trying to make it to the door. It's all you're trying to do. That's what this is. I mean, it's you're, you're dealing with a, an infant and I, I, I apologize to all infants. It's not your fault you behave this way. This is, this is a grown-ass man that's supposed to know better. But so for me, as upsetting it is, it's not as jarring because for me, it's not at all shocking. Like I, it, there was no other way it was going to go down. It wasn't ever going to be okay. It wasn't ever going to be calm or peaceful or whatever. So although I'm, I'm extremely upset by it and it's like making me anxious and upset, it's, it's different because I expected it to come and I know that it will be over soon. So you know, for me, I don't know. I, I think I have kind of a different vibe from it just because to me, it's just kind of like, yep, here it is. I mean, I think that it's not shocking that there was violence by these nightmares of human beings. Um, but I think that what happened, like, it's like, it's, it's unreal. You know what I mean? I think that, and and the fact that it, I think it's a statement to where we are right now that we've gone through everything we've gone through at such a level that this isn't shockingly horrifying to us. Right. Right. Like that's actually what I find to be so like the most horrifying part is none of us are like, what? You know, it's like, well, yeah, Trump supporters, they're crazy and violent and a problem, you know? And so I, I think that that part of it is really well, sad. And I, would, I, would go f- I would go further. I would say that to me, part of it is it's not – I don't want to say Trump supporters because there are Trump supporters that are not stupid enough to do what just happened right, right you know, it, at the Capitol building. But these, this is proof that – the GOP has embraced, allowed, and accepted uh, white supremacists, racists, bigots, and crazy conspiracy theorists to be welcomed into their party. Also, I would not, uh, I would, I, I would be cautious about accepting too much of the buffoonery that media has been putting up there because a lot of these folks were very well organized, very planned. That's what I'm former saying. Military, these were, yeah. These well, were militant saying, white supremacists. Yeah, but when, when you're saying there's people would be doing something that's stupid, they weren't stupid. They had a plan. I mean, and while I ag- agree that not every Trump supporter would go and storm the Capitol building, I think that the that Trump supporters support a culture that makes that okay. Oh, yeah, has exactly. enabled this. Exactly. Has that's enabled. What I'm and, saying. This, and and, this and is, so whether or not so whether or not you were 
one of the idiots in there, I mean, they're not idiots, obviously this was seriously calculated, but one of these assholes that was there or not, you are an equal part of that problem, you know, because you might not have been the one that showed up with guns at the Capitol building, but you completely supported a candidate and a culture and a community of folks that believed that bigotry, racism, xenophobia, misogyny, ableism was acceptable that that you felt emboldened and you and that you continued to embolden people to a tipping point and yeah. here we and, are and then the spread of the misinformation and not I mean, and also the inaction on the part of many people to not call this stuff out uh, it's yeah. just it's it's, it's it allowed about- it allowed violence to exist at this level it allowed it to exist and it's you know it's so funny because i was listening to um, the episode that came out, you know, today, the 11th, and our conversation with uh, Phoenix Coffin Williams. And remember how at the beginning I was saying, well, this last dream I had, I know it was a dream. It wasn't a premonition. And it was the dream of rats infesting the enchanted forest. And you guys were like, oh my God, you're, a, you're just a fucking weirdo. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what, I don't know what that's about. Today, when I listened to that, no, that, that was a kind of premonition because the enchanted forest is a sacred institution. And as is the Capitol building. And also the Enchanted Forest is in the capital of Oregon, in Salem. And it was infested with rats. There was infestation of something horrible. So, yeah, that was my dream. And I, I love how in my psyche or my, my psychic visions replaced the, the United States government building with the Enchanted Forest. But there is a castle at the Enchanted Forest. So, you know, you know, leadership, whatever. <laughs> oh, my God. You're like, there are so many similarities here. Am I stretching? Am I reaching here? I don't know. It kind of felt real to me. I don't know. (laughs) I don't feel like that's a stretch. Oh, my God. Well, I do have a rant. It is not on the same topic of what has happened recently, and I think that's one of the reasons I'm ranting. And this was a one-star review on my Morgan book on Goodreads today. This was the oh, first... Oh, haters. <laughs> it's so good. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Okay, okay. Mm-mm. Came for the information, the myths, legend, and the goddess. Left one star for the, quote, find and replace, end quote, contrived wokeness that replaced women with gender identity. The women in the stories weren't ridiculed, targeted, maligned, and ignored because of their gender identity. It was because they were female. The males in the stories kept getting to be men. Replacing women attempting is attempting to rewrite history is insulting to the very idea in the mythology of the book. So I got a one-star review because I said, let's consider this the Morgan being maligned for her gender identity instead of saying, because she's a woman. <laughs> I mean, what the <laughs> fuck? I, I just want to say to this reviewer, if you're listening to this, um, first of all, thank you. I appreciate you taking the time to read this book. Um, second of all, thank you. This is the best one-star review I have ever had. I want to fucking frame it because if I am getting <laughs> shitty ass reviews for being too inclusive of gender identity, then fucking give me a one star review on everything I ever fucking do between here and the end of time. There's a, we could really unpack, but listen, 
let us not make the assumption that people two people several thousand years ago had the same view of gender that we do now because we don't know that. Lots of the Celts contemporaries, like the Greeks and the Romans, they didn't have binary gender, and there was a lot of reflections of the gender spectrum that we don't even have now. Okay, and all over the world in the pre-Christian, pre-colonial era, you find history of many different gender expressions. So it is a mistake to assume that the Celts were the same way. And it is also a mistake to ever pick up any book that I write and think I'm going to be writing just for cis women because it won't happen. So Uh -uh. I can save you some time in the future and never read anything I write again. But I also really encourage you to turn on your television and look at what's going on in the world because not only have we in the past year dealt with a pandemic, we have dealt with fascism. We nearly lost our democracy. I'm assuming this person's from the United States. We nearly lost our democracy just a few days ago. And we also seem to like have not been mentioning the fact that everywhere in the U.S. experienced some kind of climate disaster at a serious level this past year. So... I don't know why you would spend this time to give me a hard time for this when there are so many incredibly serious things going on, but you can save yourself some time in the future and don't read anything I write anymore because that's what you're going to continue to see. Yeah. And I'm, I wish you luck and I wish you healing and I wish that you would open your mind and I think that you would, you'd, you'd find the world a better place for that. That's all I got to say. Best one-star review I've ever had. And I hope that all my one-star reviews are because of this going forward. <laughs> I love it when you go on review rants. <laughs> it's so, so funny. I, you know, when it comes to stuff like this, it's just kind of like one of those things where it's like, if this is what you're going to give me shit for, then I will gladly take your shit. Oh, yeah. You're yeah. like, then I guess I'm going to take this shit. At least I didn't record it in helium voice, which I thought about doing. <gasps> oh, oh, man, you really <laughs> fucked up. You really I fucked it up. Now. I'm fucking pissed that we didn't get Helium Voice this time. <laughs> Helium Voice is so good. That's it. You, you can't be on the podcast anymore. You've oh. really you've really let us down. Well, that's one, of, that's one of my favorite memories of the past two years is when we had somebody totally troll us on Twitter and try to call on like a Christian tirade <laughs> to come after us. It was to, like, so good. <laughs> it was so, and, and she was begging to be on the show. And I said, okay. Okay. And you then, can be on the show. Yeah, I'm I'm so sad that she didn't come on the show, honestly. Oh no, she, she came on the show. show as the helium voice. Well, as the as helium, the helium voice. voice. I read all of her tweets in a helium voice and played. Yeah, but it I'm on kind of show. sad that we didn't have her on the show. You know, I feel like that would be kind of punching down because clearly yeah, it's person, true. It's, it's true. true. I'm like, no, it's you true. you put those words out there. I just gave you one more platform. I just happened to do it in a helium voice because I just wanted to elevate. I really want to know if she heard that. That would have been so <laughs> fucking good. We should have tagged her in all of the posts. Yeah, that would have been good. That'd so be looking back, um, I just thought it might be actually kind of interesting to talk about how we got this started. And to be honest, I can't quite remember the moment when Kanani and I decided to do a podcast, but in my memory, going back, First, you explained to me what a podcast was. I had to explain to you what a podcast was. <laughs> and I pretended to understand. Of course you did. And I mean that, and I mean that with all sincerity. I had no <laughs> idea what a no. I, I had no idea what the, what a podcast was. You still don't. You I had heard I had heard the word, but I did not actually know what it was. Well, she knows what television shows are. And so for a long time, we said we need a television show because 
we used to meme each other three, four times a day. And people started friending us on Facebook, Kanani, as Kanani knows, just to watch us meme each other. Oh, because we would have whole conversations just in meme posts. And we were like, we're funny. We've been telling people this for years and no one believes us. But apparently if we like get out of the people who know us actually in person, people really like us. And let, hold on, let me clarify. It's not that people like us. It's that they laugh at us. <laughs> oh my God. Because we're insane. And we're fun to watch because our crazy is, is you know, completely harmless. And also, then that was about the time that Hillary moved back up here from California. And I met you at the Starbucks one day um, and said, you know, Kanani and I are starting a podcast. Do you want to do it? And I hadn't I even... Feel, I feel like we talked about that before when I was driving in the car. Oh, I feel like you... Yeah, I swear to God, you called me before then. Maybe I'm remembering this wrong, but I swear my memory says that I was driving in the car and you were like, hey, you busy right now? And I was like, I'm driving in the car. You're like, okay, cool. Do you want to do a podcast on witchcraft? And I was like, what? And you were like, a podcast on witchcraft with Kanani and I. And I was like, I mean, yes, obviously. <laughs> and, then, and then at Starbucks and talked it out, like, you know, like... I'm pretty sure it was via, maybe I'm remembering that wrong, but I swear it was via the car. Oh, maybe it was, but I was like, I'll never forget what Kanani said when I'm like, well, I said, Hillary's in. And Kanani said, okay, good. Because now people will take us seriously. <laughs> and I was Little like, Little did they know. <laughs> well, I was also like, what does that mean? And Kanani's like, well, you know. And I'm like, well, I've been speaking on witchcraft for 10 years. And you're like, yeah, but. Hillary is what's going to make people take it seriously. I'm like, okay, now. Okay. <laughs> OMG. Well, you need someone who's going to pull the car around every once in a while. And that sure as shit isn't going to be Courtney or I. So it was like, okay. Well, here's we have, we have a, a appropriate driver behind the wheel now. Well, here's what's funny. We each actually take turns, quote unquote, driving. So when we're actually on the air or recording, and we're just like riffing and stuff like that, Hillary is the one who pulls Kanani and I back. Now, if we're on the show and something's going down behind the scenes and Hillary and I have secretly lost our shit, it's Kanani that pulls us back. Like the time, Hillary, oh you and I lost it. Now, we were actually, we, we, we had a very serious guest that day who was sharing some very serious stuff. And oh, I was going to murder you both. I remember this <laughs> now. Oh my God. It was so bad. It was so bad. So I, I have a totally habit. shooting the mom eye daggers. Like really? To like <laughs> Really right now? To, really? To, to like give a, a little perspective on what happened. So I have a habit of in group chats on Facebook. Like if someone spells something wrong or says something ridiculous or like quotes something in a very funny context, I'll change their name to that. Like I'll change their nickname. So like right now, Courtney's nickname in our chat is Quincunks. <laughs> and and Kanani is the angry German. I don't know if you guys see that when I, yes, I see yeah, it. Okay, yes, okay, we good. see that. We see that. So, so I, so anyway, I had like something about dicks or something. It was clown penis, clown penis. No, 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 no. It was ghost penis scratchings <laughs> because a friend of mine like literally went into a house that 
they hadn't been it forever. And there was like scratchings on the wall that looked like a penis. Right. <laughs> and so, so I changed her nickname to ghost penis scratchings. And so a, a, a message came through and my phone was sitting on the table <laughs> and Courtney just saw message from ghost penis scratchings pop up. And and like pointed at it and then looked at me and then lost her shit. And then of course now I'm like, Oh my fucking God and losing it. And so and, and, and it's, it's not one of, it's not one of these scenarios where it's like you laugh, you snicker a little bit. It was like, I almost puked. I was laughing so hard. This is when we were in the same room together. And we were, we were completely silent. We did not make a sound. And this is what was hard is that this our the, the person we were interviewing was sharing something very serious. And it wasn't the kind of situation where we could just like, we got to get our giggles out and come back to it. Yeah, be like, oh my God, I'm really sorry. Something funny happened. They were sharing from their soul. And we were like, and Kanani is looking at us like, what the fuck is wrong with you two? So So mad. mad. And and we're like drooling and snotting and like trying to come back. I fell out of my chair. Like I was on the floor at one point. It was so bad. We like take a breath ask the, ask the question of the person and then have to go back to silent laughing with a fist in our mouth. So that's when Kanani is the driver and I'm the driver when we're not on air and we're like Facebooking. I'm like, guys, we need you to get your run of show together. And you're like, look what I'm buying today that I saw, I saw on wish. Like, I'm like, Oh my God, we have to get ready for the show. And then Kanani's like, what are we doing tonight? And I'm like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We'll show up and Kanani's like, are we interviewing someone? And you're like a fucking, Oh my God. You're hosting. I am. What am I, I hosting? Am? What am I hosting? Did I read that book? You said you did. I probably lied. Yeah. These were all conversations that have happened by the way. I, oh I deny none of this. Oh shit. So oh my God. some of the things that happened behind the scenes with our fucking insane podcast. I remember one of the meme stuff that kind of started all of this when people like saying that we just watch, I just blog into Facebook just to see what you guys are saying to each other. One of them was, was when my daughter was born. Actually, <laughs> it started when I was pregnant. When I was pregnant, we started talking about things like, um, you know, like, well, if she's unattractive, we, w- we would just like give her away at some donation site or something like that. And I would, you know, constantly say these things. Of, we would make jokes about, you know, oh, well, if, if she can't, you know, if she doesn't have nice hair or, or, well, if she grows up and she can't read or whatever. And people would private message Courtney <laughs> and they would be like, you, I, you might need to talk to your friend because I, I'm not sure that she should really, you know, like have a child. Like she clearly did not want <laughs> And Courtney would just start, she would, and of course she'd forward it to me because then we just start laughing hysterically. And, <laughs> and, and because that was one of the things that people were like, people, the, the people that got it thought it was hilarious. And then other people were like hyper concerned, like, she's going to give her child away if it's not attractive? Like, oh my God, this is awful. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of families that would want her. Don't just leave her at Goodwill. And I was like, yeah, she's fine. I mean, people need kids. I mean, whatever. Right. Or there was find her. It's always busy. I mean. Or uh, I posted on your page when you were going to go in for your, uh, to have your second, to have your son. And I posted on your page and I said, are you getting a C-section today just because you're really sick of decaf? And you po- responded, yep. And my <laughs> actually, what I think I said was, what I think I said was, like I've ever actually drink, drank decaf. 
Well, no, you said you. Yeah, that's no. You said something to the effect of like, yes, this. But basically, you affirmed it. Yeah, I have decided to have a C-section today because I really need some coffee. My sister texted me minutes later and was like, you know, she can have up to twelve ounces a day, and it's okay. I'm like, no, really, it's fine. You're like, it you're was like, a joke. Me. You're like, she it was knows. a joke. <laughs> trust me, she's fully aware of how much caffeine she's supposed to have. Oh <laughs> my god. <laughs> so yeah, so it was those kind of conversations where like. Maybe more people need to hear us. And be concerned by our behavior. Be concerned by our behavior. Kanani to this day still doesn't actually know what a podcast is because she's never actually listened to one, except for the one with Sarah Marshall because she only because she was talking about Anna Nicole Smith. I love that podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I think I've listened. I know. That's the only one I've listened to, and I think I've listened to it like three times. It's so good. (laughs) Oh, my God. So anyway... Uh, let's move to Hillary's interview with Najah. Hillary, you want to remind everybody who, um, hasn't heard from Najah in a while of who she is and what she's up to. Okay. So first of all, Najah is a badass. So I'm just going to start there. Uh, Najah Lightfoot is the multi-award winning author of Good Juju, Mojo's Rites and Practices for the Magical Soul. She is a gold medal winner of the 2020 COVR Awards in the category of Wicca, Witchcraft, and Magic, and a winner of the 2019 New York City Big Book Award. She is a fellow of the Sojourner Truth Leadership Circle, sponsored by Auburn Seminary. Najah practices magic, loves rituals, and writing about ways to help others develop powerful spiritual magical practices. Najah resides in Denver, Colorado, where the blue skies and the power of the Rocky Mountains uplift and fill her soul. She is also an initiated member of the New Orleans Voodoo Society and a regular contributing author to the Llewellyn Almanac series. Her articles regularly appear in Llewellyn's Magical Almanac, Witch's Companion, Witch's Datebook, and Spell-A-Day series. Najah is a frequent guest on podcasts as well as in-demand speaker for conferences, classes, and events. And her magical beloved staff is now on display at the Buckland Museum of Witchcraft located in Cleveland, Ohio. So, Najah, I'm so excited for you to be back. How are you? You know, I'm doing okay today. I'm taking all this shit one day at a time. So, <laughs> I'm doing I all mean, today. right? <laughs> yeah. Girl. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. 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 It is. Oh, geez. Um, well, yeah, it's so nice to have you back on. Um, of course, I when we when we started this, uh, when we came up with the idea of our anniversary episode, uh, and we started going, okay, well, maybe each of us will reach out to one of the people we connected with the most. And for me, that was you. Um, and I and I I remember the f- the first time you came on the show, some of the things that you had to say around, uh, you know your practice and your regular practice and how important that is to magic really impacted me, uh, so much. So I'm just so thrilled to have you back on. Um, I always enjoy hanging out with you. Uh, and so, yeah, welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, thank you for, um, having me back and for all those wonderful, nice things you've said. I mean, you know, you guys were one of the first people to reach out to me as a newly published author and, I still remember the day, um, you know, we had our, our podcast and, um, our recording and it was instrumental in my life too. And, um, so, um, you know, right back at you, I mean, what you guys have done and all the people you've had on and what you continue to do, you know, with your podcast is really great and absolutely necessary in the world. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a heart, heartfelt hug 
back to you too. <laughs> the thank you so much for saying that. We feel so lucky to have this podcast going and that we've had all these amazing practitioners come on and talk to us. I think that, you know, outside of it being a journey in which, you know, we were able to provide others with resources. It also really taught us a lot about our own practices. You know, I think that, you know, I've learned things through this process that I barely knew anything about or didn't know about at all. Um, and so it's, it's pretty amazing to, to have the opportunity to speak with so many people about so many different topics. And so we feel pretty lucky to be in the position that we're in. So I wanted to ask you because, you know, we're like coming out of just a chaotic year. And I, you know, I wanted to know with your magic, how did your magic most impact you in 2020? Um, well, I will, you know, tell you quite honestly that, you know, I would not be, um, in the place that I am or made it through the really hard days um, if I didn't have a daily spiritual practice, I mean, I just really tried to have impressed that upon people and it saved me. Um, you know, not that every day I felt like, oh yeah, I'm going to get out there and I'm going to do all this stuff. And, and even in the days when I couldn't, um, even when the days where all I could do was just go outside, you know, even if going outside didn't happen at, six o'clock in the morning or if it was nine or 10, I mean, sooner or later I would get my ass out there and go outside and look at the sky and, and, uh, do my morning ritual. And that really, that really, really helped me. Um, if I didn't have that, I don't know where I would be. Um, you know, I've come to realize that, um, <laughs> I'm a simple witch, you know, I don't want to say that I'm simple minded, but I am simple. And I think that there's so much power to be gained from having a routine, something that just, you feel so comfortable in that you can just do wherever you are. And during the past year, you know, I was also writing, so it was super hard. And, um, I grieved a lot because, I'm a very social person and along with everybody else, my, my calendar just went out the window. So I've been really isolated and really missing people and hugging people and, and just being around people. So that was tough. Um, but you know, at the same time, those daily things that I've just done for years and years and years, uh, really stood out for me and, and said, okay, this is, this is what we're going to hold on to. And, and that's what I did. Yeah. I think that's really beautiful because I think that, you know, especially when you're in a year where just everything is turned on its head, you know, it's just like enough, there's no sense of regularity. Um, I think those things that keep us like keep us on a regular schedule, something that we can sink to and that we can grasp onto that feels steady is so helpful because I know for me, same thing. It was like going into 2020, like so exciting. There's going to be so many cool things this year. And like, I have all these shows and I'm going to do all these things. And then it was like, uh, nope, I'm no, gonna cancel. <laughs> there's going to be zero. And I'm also a very social person. And also, um, you know, ha I mean, like I, all year I usually travel to perform, to, you know, to collaborate with artists. And, and so to have that just 
suddenly taken away is just like, oh my God. It's the, it's the long, I said to someone the other day, it's the longest I have ever since I was a child gone without performing ever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I can imagine that for you. Yeah. You know, what I saw myself doing was really leaning into my practice because it was like the one thing that, that one consistency that I could rely on that Mm -hmm. I had control over the interaction. I, you know what I mean? It wasn't like no one could take that away from me. Right. And I think that that really similarly was super powerful. And that's even, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. There were times where I was like, fuck this. I'm not getting out of bed, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And like, you know what? That's the other thing that I think this year with my practice taught me is that I'm someone that likes to be really elaborate. I think I told you this before. Like I like to be, I mean, like I like to be, I mean, you know, okay. First of all, I'm a performance artist. I'm an opera singer. I'm a Taurus, right? So like I like very elaborate, like aesthetically pretty things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I really, I think I learned this year that like, while I love that and that's, that's great. And sometimes that's a really nice thing to do or a really powerful thing to do. You know, it's that, that simplicity and that even small things are powerful. And I think that that's what I learned, you know, like, cause nobody had time this year to like do anything elaborate. Like, you know, there was none. Yeah. I mean, they still, you know, it's still, um, you know, put something on me. Like, um, like I learned, you know, I so missed the experience of like going to metaphysical stores and spending hours in them and yep. picking up incense and shopping. And so I was reduced to um, buying incense online and having it delivered, which I didn't know I could do. I didn't know I could get <laughs> incense on online. It would be delivered to me. And then I kind of like started like, oh, I have to like you know, be sparing with my incense now, even still, even just the other day, I'm like, cause I don't really know what's going on. And I gotta, you know, I gotta not be so, um, you know, lackadaisical with, Oh, I've got, you know, just sticks and cones around at my leisure and I can just burn them whenever I want. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I know. And it's, I agree because, you know, like it is amazing. I mean, we are very lucky that we have the ability to order these things online and they can come to our door, especially during the pandemic. But I really miss like going into shops and just being there and yeah. just, because I think that's how I end up with a lot of the things that are, are the most uh, meaningful to me. And, and in my practice is not like, it's me standing in a store going, mm, hmm, I don't know. And then just letting my, like whatever guide me to, to whatever I need. And, right. and with incense, it's like, again, I like, I, I also just like that ritual of, of picking it out and smelling it and touching it and like experiencing that yeah. whole thing. Yeah. I mean, I feel like me too. I would like, I have, I'm running out of an incense blend that I have and I'm like, Oh God, like what is going <laughs> to what? What am I going to do? I know. (laughs) I know. I know. I know. Well, and it's like, I think this year, it's really funny because uh, this year, as part of our spell kits that we've, uh, that we've been doing, I like have made incense blends and I, you know, I had done incense blends before for myself, uh, like loose incense to put on charcoal before. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And I've gotten to get really creative because again, you know, it's like, it's, you know, we're limited to, 
you know, like what we can access. Like it's me like going, doing like curbside pickup in an herb shop, right? Like it's not like I can go in and be like, let me sense right. the energy of all these things and decide exactly. what I want. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> right. I know. Yeah. I'm yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, I think, you know, we've talked so much about, um, you know, the consistency of practice and obviously again today with, with, for some of our newer witches or people who are establishing practice, can you just tell us a little bit about what having that consistent practice does to your magic in general? Yeah. Well, you know, the first thing it does, I mean, especially when you're new, you're just so nervous about everything and even, even as a seasoned practitioner myself, um, you know, I still look for opportunities to learn and grow. And I can't believe how nervous I get about, um, doing something, um, new and, um, <laughs> same, same, know, same. You know, same. You, know, what, um, you know, case in point, um, I just put up a YouTube video, uh, the other day and, um, I decided that this year, I was going to, you know, invest in a vlogging kit as my son has educated me on the right terms. And so I invested in, you know, the light ring and all that stuff. And I was just so nervous about it. Um, But finally, when I got into it and I got it done, I was like, yay, I did it. And, you know, that's the thing, like when you're new with a craft, I mean, you're so overwhelmed. Like, should I do this? Should I do that? I don't know. You know, where do I go? How do I do it? And so I like to encourage people to start small and to really take their time. There's just, I mean, when you're new, you're very excited. And sometimes in that newness, you forget that a lot of things that we do as part of our ritual and daily practice have been around for thousands of years in one form or another. It may not have always been called witchcraft or whatever, but the rituals that people have done, you know, as a society, as spiritual people, magical people, they're, they're, they've been in existence for a long time. So you can take your time and, you know, it's good to feel, build confidence, um, with what you're doing. And that's what doing something daily, having a practice will do for you. Like, <laughs> you know, just a simple, like, okay, when you go out to do something, how many times have you forgotten shit, I didn't get the lighter or I need this lighter or I need a match or damn it. I never did this the other day. I was trying to light something and I held the lighter and it burned my fucking thumb. And I was like, damn it. That's right. I'm not supposed to. Oh, that's right. When I hold this, I'm not supposed to light it on this way. Cause it burns my thumb. I'm so mad. Oh my God. I I do this all the time. All the time. Right. (laughs) But like, if you don't do that, like if you don't, if you're not out there trying to light, you know, something or, or, uh, you know, get your little altar set up just right. If it's not something that you keep working on, you don't have those stumbles. You know, I don't want to call them obstacles. They're just stumbles. And then you like, then you find out like something so simple, like, Oh, I like this lighter when I light this incense. And then you, who you get past that point. And so now you've like, okay, I've got this little magical power here that you know, that this lighter and this incense or this match and this incense or this herb and this pedestal, or when I grind this up, this, I like it this way because you've done it. 
Because you've done it. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I like, I mean, that's a lesson. I feel like when I started getting into using herbs and plants more, you learn really quickly what plants smell like shit when you burn them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you're like, yeah. you're like, you're like, oh, this will be a nice, we'll, we'll just burn some of this because of course you're looking into the metaphysical properties right. and then like you burn it and you're like, oh my God. Oh, this is I'm horrible. sorry to everyone that lives in this house. Oh, like, I know. And, and then, then, you know, like when you get like comfortable with yourself, you like, you know, I know everybody says that this is supposed to be, but this like stinks and I don't like it. So you know what? I'm not going to use it. I'm going to make this decision. I'm just, I'm not going to do that because my family doesn't like it. My dog doesn't like it. I don't like it. So, okay, check that off. (laughs) Exactly. Well, and what's interesting too is like, I think uh, we talked about this not that long ago, just when we were chatting on the phone, which is like, it's like a, it's like practicing anything. You know, if I don't sing regularly and then I'm like, Ooh, I got to sing this really hard ass song. I'm not, it's not going to, it's going to be much harder than if I had been regularly working at it. So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, with, with practice and again, I, I cannot agree more with what you said a moment ago, which was that it's, you need to be realistic in what you set for yourself because if you go, okay, every morning I'm going to spend two hours and I'm going to do this thing. And I'm going to like, it's not tenable. Like it's not, <laughs> like, you know, you're like, this is not sustainable. And I think that it's really important when developing what you do on a, on a regular basis. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still love the ritual moments where, when I can do something that's really elaborate, where I can, you know, put a little bit more yeah. or do something, you know, special or whatever. But I think for those, those things that are daily, that are regular, that are part of, that just become part of your routine, you know, and I think that's something that I learned so much from you, which is making them feasible. Like, don't tell yourself that you're going to do this crazy ass thing every day because it's not going to be possible. And then you're going to beat yourself up for it, or you're going to feel bad, or it's, it becomes something that you don't want to do. I think it's like, again, for me, it's like finding something, even if it's like, I get up in the morning and I light this candle and I go pour water to my ancestors, or I get up in my morning and I recite this thing that I want to recite, like whatever it is that you're putting in there. I think that that making it something that is easy to replicate over and over and over again because that's the things, again, like sometimes I have to, in opera, sometimes I have to sing these crazy ass pieces, right? But the, I don't do, I mean, the regular practice that I do every day is actually what is more impactful to me in, in order to be able to do any of those other things. And I think when you can keep that consistency of practice, it's like you're you're consistently tapped into whatever uh, energy or source or, or magic that you utilize. And so it's not like, oh, I got to drum it up from zero. You already have maintained this steady level of connection, you know? Yeah. And there's time. I mean, like, (laughs) you know, like when you've been at it for a while, like what I do every morning, people would be like, what? I, you know, I don't have time to do all that. But, you know, because it's something I do all the time, it only takes me really about, you know, 20 minutes and I'm done. Yeah. But when I was starting out, I, there is no way I'd be so overwhelmed, you know, yeah. and, and I don't want, you know, I don't want the, 
people who are just beginning on the path or even those of us who are seasoned, you know, to feel guilty. I mean, life is really hard right now and it's so up in the air from one day to the next. And I I strongly am really trying to put out like to just acknowledge and remember um, who you are, why, why you feel called to this, this walk, this path and, and just like, give yourself a lot of credit for hanging in there with everything that's happening in the world right now, because there's just so much pressure and there's already so much guilt and, and things are so scary from one day to the next. And, you know, the fact that you even turn your mind to magic or witchcraft or magical spirituality or paganism or whatever, um, you know, in any way is, is, is a beautiful thing. And uh, Mm -hmm. sometimes that's all we can do. And, and there's just so much trauma, um, going on in the world right now that, um, yes, there are powerful magics and powerful rituals that, that we can get into and we can do, but try to just give yourself a break too along the way. And I know for myself, like, I usually get all worked up around the full moon and, oh, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do this. And this past year has been like, no, I don't think so. But then, <laughs> no, same, I'm same. not doing it. But then all of a sudden I get up in the morning, you know, and there she'll be, you know, up in the sky and I'll be like, oh, wow, look at that. So I just run in and get my little candle and, you know, my little words that I like to say. And I'm like, oh, wow, I saw her. I did it. Okay. I didn't miss it. But it was like when I let go of like putting pressure on myself, like I was going to do this, that, or the other, then, you know. Yeah. I mean, it. you know, I was saying um, to someone the other day, I've said this to a couple of people actually. So I, I was in a car accident earlier uh, in yeah. 2020. Yeah. Uh, and so you know, I've had some back pain on and off, uh, that's been a struggle. And, but you know, right around the solstice, I, again, I was like, okay, I want to do this thing. And I'm going to like do this. I had like gotten a bunch of stuff together because I wanted to do this whole ritual. And you know what? Like my back started hurting real bad. And I was like, I got, I started getting into this headspace where I was like, oh man, I just, I wanted to do this thing and this sucks. And you know, like I was so frustrated. And then I was like, you know what? But like, seriously, you don't have, like, you're just going to have to adapt, you know, because that's what this year has been about is adapting. And so I was like, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was like, what can I do? Well, moving around hurts too much. So I'm going to set up this little altar and I can't like go out. It's cold outside. It was like also torrential downpouring. So, <laughs> yeah. so I was like, I can't light anything outside, obviously. Right, so, right, right. so I like opened my window. Right. And I set up like a little windowsill altar And I like did everything from my bed, you know, because I was like being in a specific position helped. And so I was like, you know what, this is just, and and you know what I, what it reminded me is that simplicity is not less powerful, right? It doesn't, it doesn't take anything away. Um, It isn't any less powerful. And I actually had this really powerful you know, realization. And actually, actually I felt like the magic was so strong because I wasn't like in my head about what 
I wanted it to be. I wasn't like dissecting every part of how I was doing this ritual. You know, it was just like, Hey, this is how, this is what I have right now, right here. And this is what I'm going to use. Yeah. You know, and I think you develop like, I'm just like, I can see you, see you in my mind's eye. I think like it came to me, like you develop like this magical spiritual body persona. It's like this other being inside yourself. And even though you were down and out, your magical spiritual being said, Hey, I can put this stuff on my windowsill. How beautiful is that? Right. Right. And then you could just see it on your windowsill every day. I know it looks like it's like still, (laughs) I still have some of it up because I was like, it's the first thing I see. It's so funny because it's the first thing I see when I wake up. Uh So like I'm laying there and if I open my eyes, it's like I have an East facing window. Mm -hmm. I was like, who knew that I would find find this really cool magic within like this situation that I was so pissed about, you know? Right, right, right. Exactly. You know, during this time, you know, when you mentioned pouring water to your ancestors, you know, that's, you know, that's something that I do every day. And, um, there were a couple of days when, you know, I was just in such a, such a funk. Um, you know, I just like filled up the cup and went outside and said, look, you know, you're going to have to do for me. Here's all this water. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I acknowledge you. Here it is, but you need to help me out today too. Cause you know, you're over there on the other side and I'm still in the land of the living I know, and I got to get through today. So, you know, I'm going to ask you to help me. And, and here's this, you know, here's this dump of water to acknowledge that, you know, I acknowledged you, but I need you today. And then I just went back inside and shut the door and watched, you know, Netflix for five hours. I definitely (laughs) do that too, where I'm like, all right, here's the water. Okay. Like here it is. I don't have anything else for you right now. I'm I'm sorry. Like, Hey, I'm spending all this time being reverent and honoring you. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You guys are over there on the other side. I'm still here in the land. You got to help me out. Yeah. Right. Uh, You know, I need some help. I mean, and, and, and that's growth right there to go. Look, it's not all about you are supposed to be helping us you're supposed to be helping me you know that's that's why I got into this to help me you know not spending so much time with things on the other side in a way that it's not going to help me in my situation I mean that's what a magical practice is about yeah because then it becomes another you know it's like it's in the same way that if we give too much of ourselves in any realm of life, right, whether it's magical or work or personal or whatever, if we are like spreading ourselves so thin, right, or we're just, it, it doesn't do us any good. It doesn't do us any good. You know, it just no. gets us to a point where, no. where, you know, where it's too much and then it's less effective because it becomes then, your practice then becomes this stressor, right, rather than it being something that is, like that you are dedicated to that is also elevating, you know, your life, you know, it then becomes this stressor. So (laughs) everything, (laughs) (laughs) everything okay over there. (laughs) You're like, yeah, it is a stressor. Fuck this plate. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. So, so, oh man, I needed this laugh. 
I love it. Sometimes it's like the universe was like, you're being too serious right now. I need <laughs> We get it. You need to be less serious. Let me make some noise for you. That's so funny. That's so funny. Oh my um, God. <laughs> <laughs> As we, oh my God, I can't even get it together. <laughs> People are going to be like that 30 minutes of laughing in the middle of it. <laughs> You know what, though? When I listen to other people laugh, it makes me laugh really hard. I know. Me too. I love laughing with you. Yeah. That was was the moment. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like this, whenever Naja and I get together, I feel like this is like what happens, right? Like we, it's like the two of us are like, (laughs) we're like, having a conversation and then somehow we just I end know. up cracking I up know. and some hysterical laughter. I know, right? Right. I, I appreciate that so much. Thank you. I appreciate the ability to laugh too. It's like, I know. gosh, I know. it's good to laugh. It is it's, good to laugh. It's good. It's definitely good to laugh. Um, okay. So as we go, so now we're in 2021, we oh, left yeah. that dumpster fire year behind. Um, what do you want to see manifest this year? Like what, what do you want to see? I mean, either in general or within your magic, um, in 2021. Oh my gosh. Um, Such a big question. I know that's kind of a rude question to ask. I just, I just want to, I just want to be able to travel. I want yeah. to be able to get together with people of like mind. I want to be able to like be out for more than, you know, a half hour. I mean, that's really, I mean, it's gotten so close, you know, um, that like, you know, my days consist of, you know, if I go out taking my dog to the dog park or going to Walgreens or the grocery store, but then it's over in like 30 minutes. And I'm like, I would like to be out for like four or five hours, you know, (laughs) and like to be able to connect with people. I mean, I like, that's really, you know, what I want. And then, um, you know, and then I'm working on my second book, um, in the good juju series. And so, you know, if I can finish that, um, it's already been submitted, uh, thankfully to my editor and, um, I'm really happy about that, but then, you know, it got sent back to me. So I gotta, I gotta, you know, do that. I mean, that would be the biggest manifestation if I can, actually finish this this book I <laughs> am, tries, that would be super good well I'm <laughs> really excited for this new book because I loved the first book our Aww. listeners loved the first book um and I can't wait to read the next one I'm like so <laughs> ready <laughs> I cannot oh, wait thank you I really appreciate your support and encouragement that was crazy because everyone like during the dumpster fire as you said of 20 everyone's like oh you know, it must be so great to, you know, you just have all this time to write and everything. Yeah, right. And like, <laughs> I was like, what? I can't even get out of the bed. I don't even take a I shower know. now. I'm like, you know, and that's for me as a creative person. I need to, I get energy, you know, inspiration from being out in the world. So just, you know, hold up in, you know, the same place every day is, is difficult to find that from within, you know, that we pull from to, to create something. So it was really hard. And I think too, you know, 
it's like, uh, I mean, I definitely know that the, some of the things that I've learned as a magical practitioner, as a witch during this time will carry through. I mean, there's stuff that will like, uh, that won't leave my practice. You know, I think that again, for me, that reminder that like simplicity is just as powerful that, you know, that consistency is great, but that like you, you're a human being also. And like, sometimes it's going to be a half-assed consistency (laughs) and and it has to be okay. You know, that it's like that, you know, we want obviously to, I mean, again, consistency is great, but like that, you know, to give ourselves a break, um, that we, uh, that, you know, like this is an extraordinarily trying time. And also like when we look at our ancestors, like who have also been through extraordinarily challenging times Mm -hmm. in their lifetimes, Mm -hmm. you know, like they're probably more able to understand where we're at than anyone that is alive now, you know, (laughs) because we've never experienced this or very few of us that are, I mean, maybe the, the quite older generation, but most of us have never experienced like anything like this before. Well, and I started, um, just kind of, since we, you know, are in these odd times, I started trying to, um, you know, I, you gotta find motivation. And so I spend, you know, a lot of time and every day about the ancestors and those who've gone before me and this, that, and the other. (laughs) Then the other day I was like, well, wait a minute. What about those who come after me? Ooh. What about what? Wait a minute. I know, you know, that we honor those who came before us and whose shoulders that we stand on, which is, of course, important. But I had that thought the other day. I'm like, wait a minute. What about those who come after me? What am I leaving? What am I creating? What am I putting into motion? And, you know, that's probably a thought I have because of my age and also because I have grandchildren. We have grandchildren. Um, I have grown, uh, you know, son and daughter. And I'm like, well, what, what about those who come after us? Um, how can I live my life now and create things for those who will be here when I'm not? And that kind of like switched it around for me a little bit. Like, there is going to be a future. There, there are going to be children, people, others who come after us. And they're going to be looking back to see, like, okay, what was going on? What did we do? And um, what did they leave behind? And what can we stand on? So I've been kind of thinking that way a little bit now. I love that. I mean, I think that's so true because I think, you know, what we do now and how we do it and the legacy we leave behind is going to really, really affect the people that come after us, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. especially since, you know, we're witches and we walk this path. We're always talking about those on the other side. Well, (laughs) you know, you're going to be on that other side too one day. At some point. (laughs) At some point. I mean, hopefully not today. (laughs) (laughs) Like definitely not now. Just just putting that out there. Not now, everybody. Not now, everybody. (laughs) But um, yeah. So I was like, okay, um, that, that's a little bit of a motivation. You know, and that makes me feel better. Like I'm just not spinning my own wills in the present for no, no reason. 
Yeah. I mean, it also, you know, again, it's like a good way for us to focus our, the intention of our magic as that being part of it is like that what we're, the things that we're doing are, are again, setting up the legacy for those. Yeah. That, that yeah. like, you know, years from now are going to be honoring us as ancestors, you know? So it's like, that's a really, that's a really beautiful thing. Thank you for that. You know, we live, we're living in this extraordinary time where we have so much that's being recorded and archived. Yeah. Yes. I mean, this is this th- these times we're living in are unprecedented. Yeah. So you know, with everybody sharing so much across all the social media platforms that you have, um, you know, there is this opportunity to to leave something good for those who come after us. You know, um, I had this thought recently. You know, like I. You know, when my grandkids get older and they talk to me, what were you doing, you know, when the, all this shit was going down? I'm like, well, honey, here, you can look right here and you can see this is what I was doing. Yeah, oh, here. okay. <laughs> you know, just, yeah. Yeah, that's, it's amazing, right? Because, you know, when we look back, you know, it's, it's hard to even find record of what was happening, you know, not oh, so many generations ago. So it's exactly. like... Exactly. You have, you know, you have a recording, you have this great vault of knowledge and, um, you know, conversation that you guys are creating with the work that you're doing, you know, which is, it's so important. Um, and so you, you're putting into that, um, legacy of time and of magic. I mean, just the fact that you're doing your podcast is, is a magical act, the fact that you're just doing it and what you talk about is that's magic right there. That's, you know, it doesn't always have to be something that's, you know, with robes and wands and incense. <laughs> I mean, you know, just the fact we're having this conversation, conversation. Is, is magic. And that's what, you know, I'm, I'm trying to really uh, start working with the term real magic you know, mm. this is this is real magic because we are creating change through our words, through what we're saying, through what we're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that affects people and that puts like a positive vibe out into the universe. And so that's real magic, you know. Yeah. So um, there's such a need for stuff that is real and valid and tangible and helps people. It's excellent. It's excellent. Real magic. (laughs) Yes. It's excellent. Real magic. Yes. (laughs) I love it. So, so we, we know you have this new book coming up. Uh, you know, where else can people find you these days? Well, I don't have anything scheduled right now. Um, the year has started, but, um, in terms of classes or anything, but I did make the commitment. Um, I'm published in the Llewellyn's 2021 Spell a Day Almanac this year. So that's yay. yay! So that's 25 spells that I wrote for 2021. And so that breaks down to two spells a month. So twice a month, I'm going to be putting up a recording on YouTube talking about the spell that I wrote, why I wrote it, give some insight into what was going on in my mind when I wrote the spell for that day. And I'm super excited about that. So if people want to go out to my YouTube channel, um, it's Najah Lightfoot. And, um, you'll see it. Um, and the title is spell January 7th. Um, 
So um, you'll see that it comes up, you know, uh, the next spell date is January 24th. That'll be the next one. And so I'll be posting recordings um, all throughout the year to do that. And other than that, um, like I said, we're going to finish the second book. (laughs) Thank you. And, um, you know, and I'm really hanging out a lot on Instagram and Twitter these days. So, you know, that's really a good place to find me. Well, I just thank you so much for coming back to chat with me. It's been, I mean, I feel so lucky to have met you and connected with you uh, since you first came on. And (laughs) I just am so grateful for you in my life and for coming back on this podcast. Um, And I can't wait to see these videos. And I am so excited for book number two. And so everyone listening, we'll make sure to blast that everywhere when that's ready to go. Um, (laughs) So yeah, so look out for that and definitely go check out Najah's, go go get the almanac. I think that's like a, it's the almanac. Sorry, did I say that right? right? Yeah, it's the Spell a Day Almanac for 2021. And it's great because it's a compilation of authors. Um, There's several different authors in the book. So it's really, it's really fun. And I I love, I love being in it and I love doing it. Um, It's, it keeps my magic fresh because I have to, you know, write these spells and, and it's also a good, good, um, you know, work on the future because we write, um, the spells that are up, I wrote in 2019. Wow. So here, yeah. Yeah. So talk That's about so cool. magic, right? Yeah. There's some faith that 2021 was yeah. going to come around because we were writing for them in 2019. In 2019. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I can't wait to check that out and everybody else should also. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, and um, thank you. Thank you so much. It's delight. And thank you for having me on and thank you oh to gosh. all your listeners for all your support. And, um, uh, it's, it's such a pleasure. It really is. I, I so enjoy being on your podcast, on your show and, and getting to know all you guys. You guys are just absolutely wonderful people. And, very special. She's such a good person to have kind of come on and just, I don't know, something about her voice is very calm to me. Well, one of the things that I loved is when you called her to ask her to be on the show. She and I were actually on a Zoom call. This is great. And she and I were talking about something else. And then she's like, oh, it's Hillary. And I said, oh, pick it up. And I couldn't, I could hear a little bit what Hillary was saying, but I knew why she was calling. And the look on her face, Hillary, when you asked her to be the guest that you wanted to talk about, just the love that you two have for each other was just so very obvious. And I, I love this interview so much because I love that you guys just, you broke a, broke a plate or made a Whatever what yeah, was a plate. I don't know. Like something from her table fell. I think it was like a plate or a saucer or a cup or something. And it fell. And and like it just we both lost it. You know, like I okay, I really I love talking to, to Najah because first of all, she's like so down to earth and so knowledgeable and so kind. And you know, she doesn't she really wants to present these tools to everyone in such a digestible way, which to me is so amazing. I think there's so much gatekeeping in some of our communities and the jaws like, no way. Like, let me break it down for you really easily. This completely impacted and changed my life. Let me help you change yours too. And I think she does it from such a place of kindness and, and the, the desire to help people. It's not, I mean, like, she's so easy to talk to and 
for me, she impacted my practice so much. You know, I, I, I think I struggled to keep the type of consistent practice I wanted. I mean, not that I didn't practice regularly, but like daily. Right. Um, right. We, we, because, you know, very extravagant Torian brain, I'm like, I want to do like, everything is a thing, right? It has to be this big thing. And, and what I really learned from Naja is that that those small consistent parts of your practice that you do daily are what make it possible to do the big things. Right. And yeah. so I think it impacted me rather than regularly practicing, but like literally making a ritual every day. And also one of the best pieces of advice that she gave me that she gave again, when I spoke with her is that you have to start realistically. You're not going to go, if you've never run before, you're not going to be like, well, I'm signing up for the marathon. You're not like, it's not, you're going to, you're going to like fall apart. Right. You have to set a realistic practice for yourself. And it's always such a good reminder when I talk to her that simple is just as powerful and that consistency adds so much potency to your magic. And so that impacted me on such a deep level um, in how I approach my practice, both from how consistent I did it on a daily basis, but also in how I set it up to be sustainable. Yeah, that's, and it, and that really can, and I also just really appreciated that what she talks about, like different kinds of magic and that, yeah. you know, yeah, there's, there's magic in, in words and there's magic. You don't, it's not always spell casting at your altar and, and just, um, yeah. So I appreciate that. So great. Thank you. Thank you for bringing her back. Oh to my us God. Already. It was my absolute pleasure. Yeah. So I've got a couple of shout outs here. Uh, so first of all, we got a lot of feedback about Teresa Reed's 2021 astrological forecast, which came out two weeks ago. Um, yeah. And I was actually, I texted her. I said, uh, okay now. So everything is accurate. And she said, I know. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean like, so, so oh, accurate, and so who, accurate. And who knows what will have happened by the time this, this episode. I, is out. I know by the time this is out, like, mm, I don't even no. know. I don't know. So anyway, but um, if you love Teresa as much as we do, she actually has two great podcasts that you need to check out if you want to learn more about tarot or astrology. Um, The first is called Tarot Bites. The other is called Astrology Bites, B-Y-T-E-S. These are bite-sized lessons for those who want to learn tarot or astrology, but don't have all day. So it's super fun and useful. And she's available on all the platforms also a really great reminder to check out the Arcane Botanica. Uh, It's a very brand new business specializing in interior plant decor. Um, Proprietor Amanda is offering tailored interior plantscaping for your home or business, including individual plant sales, terrariums, and custom gifts for all price points. Based out of Northeast Massachusetts, but she does ship, Arcane Botanica works with clients to customize kid and pet safe plants for homes, promoting desired energies with specific plant combinations. So for more information, follow at Arcane Botanica on Instagram or Facebook or email them at Amanda at ArcaneBotanica.com. So I also have a couple classes coming up. Uh, to d- the day this is released on January 18th, I am teaching a class on the Morgan virtual online through Catland Books on Monday the 25th. I'm teaching a class online on uh, January um, on Hecate. 
So you can go to our show notes page or to Catland Books to sign up. I am teaching a Tarot 101 class in February, a five-week series hosted by Pathways St. Louis. Also go to our show notes or to Pathways St. Louis to sign up. And Kanani, how are the spell kits going? Spell kits. Oh my goodness. People love our spell kits and I love that you love our spell kits. They are on fire. Oh my gosh. We've, we've had so many people love and send me messages about the Imolk spell kits that I am super excited about. And we, I'm, I was, I'm not supposed to talk about it on this podcast. I'm supposed to wait till next week, but I'm not going to, Oh my! God. I might be working on some love spell kits that <laughs> we'll be releasing soon. And I'm not going to tell you anything about them except for the fact that I'm eating some chocolate right now. So that is all you get to know about the fact that in two weeks we will be releasing love spell kits to our Etsy site. Um, but I'm just, I'm so excited. I love the fact that people are using them. I love the fact that people, you know, are, are similar to it, it kind of, I don't know, for me, it's nice. Cause this is, this is how I work. This is how I operate. I'm like, I don't have a lot of time. Hand me the kit, have it all ready to go. And, and thank you so much. So it's fun for me that other people kind of are of, of similar mind where it's like, Hey, everything's just right here. I'm just going to take this and go. So Add to cart, um, super shiny. <laughs> absolutely. And I, and I, you know, always try and be thoughtful about what we include. And Courtney writes the spells and, and Hillary does all the herbs. So it's such a, to me, it's such a fabulous combination of kind of all of us together. So I love the fact that people love them. Um, I love putting them together. So please keep buying them so I can please keep putting them together. And like I said, we've got some love spell kits coming up soon. And just keep checking our Etsy site because we're going to keep coming up with more and more ideas. To everybody who's supporting us in that way, um, Etsy or on Patreon, um, for those of us, for those of you who do support us on Patreon, last week we released a deep dive with Reverend Phoenix Coffin Williams all about thought forms. So for as little as a dollar a month, you can get access to that conversation and other witchy content. Higher levels gets you access to our private Facebook page, quarterly special events, and boxes of goodies, including your very own screaming goat. Our next quarterly event is a live Imolk ritual on Sunday, January 31st at 10 a.m. Pacific time, which we will be holding via Zoom. So if you join us at the $5 level or above, you can join us for that. It will be recorded. So if you can't make at that time, you can catch up with it later and do it on your own time. And if you join us at the Kanani boyfriend, girlfriend, and friend level, um, I pull a tarot card for you. And today I'm pulling for Crystal. Okay, I got temperance. So temperance is a card of balance. Um, it is a card of moderation, and it does mean that it's time to take a break. It is time to slow down. It's time to be in touch with your body, and it's time to draw boundaries. Crystal, did you hear that? Temperance wants you to draw boundaries. So anybody who's making you crazy and miserable, no, it's time to stop. All right, make sure you're making some time for yourself to eat, drink, water, and um, 
and be good to you. So thank you, Crystal, for being a Kanani girlfriend, boyfriend, and befriend level because we do not assume gender identity around here. And um, other ways to support the show, if you can't do a monthly donation, you could always buy us a coffee. Again, we also have That Witch Life merchandise on Etsy. You can also become um, consider becoming an episode sponsor. It's a great way to promote your business to thousands of witches or purchase a shout-out. So please visit us at thatwitchlife.com for more. Um, let's hear a word from our sponsors before before we hear my incredible interview with David Shee. Woo! In November, we had the amazing Don Hunt of Kachina Aurora on the show to talk all about food magic. And since then, we've all been obsessed with Kachina Aurora and their line of magical and delicious products. Seriously, I dressed my holiday dinner with a savory sage oil charged for wisdom and knowledge. And I bought my food-loving in-laws Kachina Aurora gift sets, which include infused olive oils, a garlic-infused olive oil for protection, and a rosemary oregano-infused olive oil charged for peaceful energy. I was delighted when Kanani bought me the same set for my Yule present. Now that I've done buying for other people, I am all about getting a bunch of this for myself because I am I'm <laughs> so excited. Kachina Aurora's oils are all made by hand and they do visualization and meditation over all of them as they're made. So they are infused with not just the flavors, but also the energies of the herbs and spices. And what's super awesome is that Dawn now has a new cookbook available, A Kitchen Witch's Guide to Recipes for Love and Romance. There are just so many good recipes in this book that are both delicious and will also help you focus in on the areas of love you'd like to enhance. I am someone who cooks a lot, so it's a great tool for me to plan meals that complement the magical work I'm doing. For example, she has a kale, chickpea, and quinoa salad designed for both health and opening the heart chakra. But this is a great book for witches who don't cook too. You can use it to think about which foods you might want to eat that will support your magical work as she lists the magical properties in many common foods. Whether you're interested in A Kitchen Witch's Guide to Recipes for Love and Romance or any of the other amazing oils or magical food products that Kachina Aurora offers, they have a special rate for our listeners. Go to kachinaaurora.com and enter Witch Life 2021 at checkout to get 10% off. The offer is good all year. Thank you so much to Kachina Aurora for being an episode sponsor. If you've listened to us at all, you know that all three of us are completely obsessed with shiny pretty things, especially me. Shiny pretty things include tattoos and piercings as well as jewelry. 2020 was a total drag, so 2021 is the perfect time to be the best sparkliest version of yourself with some custom tattoo work, killer jewelry, or a new piercing. Adorn Body Art has unique jewelry designs from vendors all over the world, so we were super excited to partner with Adorn as an episode sponsor. Established in 2000, Adorn is a woman-owned tattoo piercing jewelry studio dedicated to offering the best service to their clients and local community with three thriving locations in Southeast Portland, Beaverton, and Vancouver, Washington. Adorn's selection is not only the largest in the Pacific Northwest, but they also carry the highest quality of ornate, ethically sourced, natural adornments, which is a big deal for me. From amethyst to rutilated quartz to tiger's eye and citrine, they have jewelry options with stones for every chakra. And you can order online. The thing that separates Adorn from other studios is that they are focused on art and not attitude. Their mission is to help their clients feel like the truest version of themselves and achieve body autonomy. If you're looking to get pierced, Adorn can also assist with custom creating the piece of jewelry of your dreams to be as unique as you. So the possibilities are 
are endless, with ongoing education for each piercer who is also certified through the Association of Professional Piercers, and state-of-the-art sterilization and sanitation, you are always safe and get the very best when you come to Adorn. Adorn operates by appointment only, so go to adornbodyart.com where you can also see a sneak peek of the gorgeous jewelry that they carry. Adorn is just amazing, so make sure you check out their incredible jewelry selection or book an appointment today. Thank you to Adorn Body Art for being an episode sponsor. All right. So I had a really wonderful time talking to David. He's just one of my dearest friends. And I was um, delighted that he made the time for me to um, to share that with him. Um, a little emotional for me in a couple places just because it's it's just a really uh, someone I really hold dear and was really grateful to have um, this time with him. So if you all um, haven't heard David speak, David She is a spiritual worker and a folk magic practitioner of Manchurian descent. Raised in a household that incorporated both Southeast Siberian and North Chinese practices, David has dedicated his spare time to the study of spiritual traditions of his ancestors and of greater Eurasia. Recognized as a Sangasha or a future shaman prior to initiation among Mongolian and Korean shamans, David's practices are deeply rooted in spirit work, which is ancestral and land spirits are called to empower all workings. David is the author of the book, North Asian Magic, Spellcraft from Manchuria, Mongolia, and Siberia, and has conducted workshops across the country, including Catland Books, the Hoodoo Heritage Festival, sponsored by Lucky Mojo Curio Company, and On Sacred Ground by Kai Armand. David also teaches the Korean traditional drumming art, Pongmul Nuri. So how have you been? Uh, you know, uh, hang in there. Um, for these, act- uh, as I think you know, these past couple of months, I was out here um, kind of on the West Coast. I'm currently in the uh, Las Vegas area where my parents live. <laughs> so are you out on the West Coast permanently now? You left New York behind? No, no, no. It's it's uh, temporary. Really, it was supposed to be for the holidays, but, you know, figure I actually flew out here in early November before the surge really happened. And right now I'm kind of just parked here until I figure out when and how to get back. So, mm-hmm. so I'm yeah. still paying rent for New York. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, I'm really glad that you came back um, to talk with me and to be on the show again because, you know, the three of us sat down and talked about like who has had the most impact on us personally. And honestly, all of our guests um, have have shaped my magic one way or another. But when I look at how I'm practicing now, I really can trace it back to that conversation with us back in, you know, I guess it was June. The work that you do um, in, uh, in in researching the practices of, of uh, many of which have been lost because, it, as you explained to me, the communist takeover of that part of the world and um, just capitalism and, and Western influence, so much has, has been lost. But then you've been part of this, this intentional revival, but not just not just revival, but also like adopting it for a way that a modern pagan like yourself can practice. I mean, am I completely off base or is, am I kind of, am I kind of going the right direction of what your path has been like? You know, in a way, yes, that's kind of been somewhat of the theme that I've been pursuing. But what I've come to discover is that, especially in the regions of North Asia, there's a lot of places that are so remote and hidden and really hard to find that since uh, since 1990, since the days of communism have relaxed, I wouldn't say have gone away, but have relaxed, a lot of 
um, influences and even people from those remote areas are coming out and becoming more public. And I have been very fortunate enough to find them, um, very, very fortunate to find them to, to really help fill in a lot of the, uh, the missing pieces. So, um, so if you talk to anyone 10 years ago or even 20, 30 years ago, then the answer, the, the statement we yes these practices are lost when really they've been hidden so well that most of the people from there uh, did not know that they were still preserved and that's what I've come to find and it's actually helped to shape my practice tremendously I think when we had conversations several years ago in New York versus now I think my practice has shifted so much because of what I've been able to discover or rediscover um from from these really hidden remote areas like you, it, i'll tell you how remote this, these areas are there these areas are so remote that you need either a land rover or a soviet style jeep to get to and only when the roads wow. not muddy like when the roads muddy forget it you're not getting in there it's that remote um oh my god yeah so so really it, it's it's also come down to the fact that i am asian american uh, and from a lesser known asian culture um so it's so as you said it's i'm i've been trying to find a way to uh, sort of revive these practices and revive revive what these spirits have been trying to tell me through a practice uh, in which I am currently an American living in America. So I think that actually mm-hmm. does translate well, even not only just for Asian Americans who are so starved of their own indigenous uh, spiritualities, but also even for Westerners who are interested because at the end of the day, um, even even when someone is not being what, even when there's like cultural appropriation, that's not involved. There's a lot of key foundational concepts, some of which I shared in our last conversation, a lot of foundational concepts that are very relevant and really provide a unique perspective on how, uh, even Westerners or Europeans can really enhance, um, enhance their magical practices really. I, so when I first met you in New York City, so you were doing everything. Um, you you were taking hoodoo classes. Yes. Uh, you were coming to my um, kind of European-American mishmash big public circles. Mm-hmm. Um, you were going to the, the gay men's groups of the Minoan Brotherhood. Um, and you were taking Korean drumming, as I, as I remember. Am I, am I correct? Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty good summary. Okay, Summer, and I'm like, I think I even saw you at some druid circles. I, I think you were every, you were like everywhere. If there was something magical going on, David was there. <laughs> this was really like 2000, I think it was like the height of between 2013 and 2015. I think whatever I saw going on at the time, um, I, I went to check it out and see what it was about. Yeah. Because at that time, it was... I was beginning one phase of my spiritual life in which my spirits were really starting to come out um, with more direct messages than I'd gone before. And they were really telling me, just go explore, learn all of these things from the practices that are around you. Um, and some, t- and so I checked out a lot of things, some things, my spirits were like, definitely do that more. And other things were like, yeah, you don't have to come back. <laughs> um, so, yeah. so yeah, between 2013 and 2015, I've from 2015 on, I've really narrowed um the circles that i was involved in and sometimes they would overlap sometimes they wouldn't i think it also came down to the fact that there was uh 
a very important community, which uh, you were definitely involved in. Which, yeah, you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in which I was really able to find that sort of fellowship where even if it's not necessarily my cultural practices, there was innate, innate understanding of spiritual and magical practices, which... Um, again, really emphasize on those key foundational aspects on uh, what are the stuff that we can do, what, what can, how can we make um, spiritual work and magical work more accessible on a little bit more of a universal basis. And a lot of it is from the, uh, the specific frames of the various uh, traditions, whether they're cultural traditions or individual spiritual traditions or even Waco traditions. And it really, I think at, at that point in my life, it was really putting things into perspective for me. And which is actually funny because I was thinking right before coming on that um, the fact that you say that my what I've been doing has been so influential on your work that I consider that to be extremely high praise considering oh. the leadership role you had during that stage of my life when I was very much. Uh, for lack of a better term, a newbie adult witch. Yeah, but you know, you never carried the newbie energy. You, one of the things that I've always <laughs> liked about you is that you've always gone in to everything you do, whether it is... Um, you know, whether it's hanging out with the Minoan Brotherhood and learning that those practices or how to make uh, Southern fried chicken. Like you come in, you come in with this, this absolutely astute curiosity and, you know, and you, you ask questions and you pay attention. And you're like, I would like to learn more about this. And you never, you, you, you're always very open to sharing information, which is appropriate for you to share, but you never mm -hmm. pretend, I never get the sense that you pretend to know or you get uncomfortable with, with the not knowing, which I feel like is something a lot of witches struggle with when they're like, oh, I don't know something, are people going to judge me? And it's like, well, mm -hmm. gosh, you know, I mean, uh, looking like, the, I think if witches were more comfortable in asking the questions, I think that they would be more like you and how their their path would open up to them in a much um, cleaner and, um, you know, I, I don't necessarily mean faster, like speed. I don't know that faster is important, but I mean unencumbered. Like this may right. be a slow path, but at least it's clear, you know? Um, <laughs> and so I think that's important. And also one of the challenges that I had for many years and that was a, a big uh, blind spot for me that I didn't want to see is that being um, so deeply involved with running community, I wasn't paying enough attention to my spiritual practice. And that was a huge problem for me at the end. It led to um, some very serious burnout. And it's only been the last couple of years that I've been um, able to come back out of that. And one of the things that for me was that once I took the leadership role off my shoulders and, and I had people fight me on this, even across the country, they're like, no, you should still be our leader. Even though you live 3000 miles away in the country, lead us here in New York city by zoom teleporters, do it. And I say, no, I mean, even if I were there, I, I needed to take, I needed to take some time. I wasn't, I was at a point where I needed to, to stop. And, um, I, um, I realized I had so, like when I came back to Oregon, um, all of my magic supplies were on a moving truck, like, you know, driving slowly across the country. We were in an apartment that didn't allow us to use flame. So I couldn't ah. light candles or incense. Um, I didn't have any tools. I just had myself. And right. 
at first I was, there was a time where I was like, I want, I gave away almost all my magical supplies when I left New York. I shoved them off on my old coven. I said, all of y'all take this stuff and get out of my house. And, um, <laughs> and um, <laughs> that sounds a lot crueler than it was. It's just the way I used to talk to them. But um, I can imagine it. <laughs> I'm, I can I'm imagine like, that very clearly. And they were like, okay, take the stuff. Um, but I, um, I, I wanted that connection back with my magic and then just being in this very sterile apartment with really be hard. I hardly even had any furniture, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was really being stripped to the bare bones and we finally moved into our permanent home and my materials arrived and I started looking through them and I realized that most of them weren't me anymore. In fact, I actually gave away my old altar cause it just was not me. Um, but I had to come back and figure out my path. And one of the things you said, you said a number of things that were impactful, but I could say the one thing you said that resonated me with so deeply to help me was that you said everything has to come through the land spirits. Even your ancestors have to come through the land spirits. Yeah. And that made sense. Okay. That they're here. So yeah, my ancestors come from the Ukraine and from Western England and Scotland and Ireland and the Slav is like what is now Slovakia. Um, and probably some other places too. You know, I'm a big mutt of Western Europe, uh, all the angry countries. I didn't get any of the reasonable, <laughs> like, no Swedish in me whatsoever. It's all the angry people that throw things. Don't make my, don't make my ancestors mad. Um, but in, here in the United States, I've got 300 years of history in North Carolina, which is still 300 miles, still 3000 miles away. So, Mm -hmm. um, I think that I started going out every morning and pouring water to the land spirits. Um, water being the purest offering that I could give that I knew would not harm any wildlife. Um, and especially in Oregon summers, our, our summers are very dry. Um, it was a welcome offering. Now, since we've then, and so as soon as I started doing that, I started having more connections with land spirits and I, you helped me understand them. Like about a week after our conversation, a wasp stung me in the ass. Remember oh, this? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> told I was me. like, David, I got a visit from a land spirit. Actually, no, I, I think I was telling you, Oh, ha ha ha. Guess what happened to me today? And you're like, Hmm, you know, I wonder if that's a visit from a land spirit trying to get your attention. And you helped me, you know, talk through that. Not only that, you know, wasp or bee venom is as as painful as it can be and how dangerous it can be to some it's also um is a healing there's there's healing benefits to it mm-hmm. and so the, it's it, yeah it's a medicine so um yeah, thank mm-hmm. you that was one i couldn't think of and so that that i and it was really odd because then that night had a dream about um a goddess from one of the volcanoes in hawaii and I wasn't sure which one, but she came to me and she said, I'd like you to meet my sister. And I'm like, okay. And then she introduces me to this woman who looked native, but she was wearing the regalia of some of the Pacific Northwest tribes. And she was very old and she had braids and um, her, her, hair, her hair was very gray. And I woke up kind of confused, but then I thought about it. I mean, the volcanoes in our area are on the same, um, they're on the same ring of fire as those in Hawaii. So they are sisters. Right. And then you said to me, well, I think it's strange that a woman from, that you're seeing a goddess from Hawaii, unless you've had communication with someone Polynesian in the last few days. I'm like, actually I did. Like the day before that, I had had a conversation with an indigenous um, person who was from Hawaii. Wow. 
and what I realized later, and then and then that work actually helped me understand an omen that I had about the Oregon wildfires. Um, on my birthday, which was on a Friday, which the fact that it's on a Friday is important, and I'll explain in a minute. I went out to um, my to do the compost, and there was a perfect blue jay feather right at my feet. Now, again, you and I have also talked about animal symbolism, and that not every animal that appears to you is a, is a trying to tell you something, but it's like is there something different about the encounter? And the fact that there was a blue jay feather at my feet to me was significant. On my birthday, you know, that I was okay, this is not just me finding a feather in the yard. It is literally in crossing my path on an auspicious day. Um, I wonder what this means. And so I first started by thinking about what she said is go through the land spirits first. And so I looked up the lore for the local um, local nations of the Pacific Northwest that had some lore on the Blue Jay. And the only one I found was the Chinook. And the Chinook okay, people, yeah. Yeah, the Chinook people said that uh, Blue Jay is, is a trickster, but generally benevolent. Okay. Mm. So now that I've understood the message from the land spirits, I took a step back. And instead of, you know, so many people especially white people go racing for their European roots right away. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. let's, let's walk backwards. I think you're going to find more meaning there. So my next stop was in Appalachia where my mom's family's from. And um, there was an African, a piece of African American folklore. And um, even though, you know, I'm white, the African American folklore and practices have had a huge influence on um, white uh, conjure practitioners of Appalachia. So it's, right. it's, it's at least, and so I, I did find that um, the blue jay can actually be a negative omen. Um, can be, not always. It's the mm-hmm. thought that the blue jay goes to hell um, in order. He goes to hell on Saturday and comes back on Friday. I think that's that's the lore. Or maybe he goes oh, wow. on Friday on Saturday. And my birthday was Saturday. I'd have to actually. Yes, my birthday was Saturday because I remember it was it was it was the, the day the bad day to see a blue jay. So the lore is that the, the blue jay goes to hell on Friday to tell to tattle on all the children of earth to the devil. Now, sometimes the blue jay is is telling um, the devil just like, you know, kind of BS things like, well, so-and-so was drinking, so-and-so was gambling, so-and-so was, was running around, things that are not really harmful to humanity. But the blue jay will also tattle on the devil the great sins of humanity, such as slavery. So the blue jay has a couple of different roles. But if you see a blue jay or a blue jay crosses your path on a Saturday, it's a bad omen because it means he's on his way back from hell. So uh, I was like, oh my, there's a blue jay feather crossing my path on my birthday. What does this mean? And so the, what I gathered from it is something not good, um, some hell, hellfire. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, could be bad, could be good. Fires can be good for forests under certain circumstances, but they can also be really, but they are obviously very terrible for homes and communities. And they're really bad if you suppress them. So all of these pieces came together. And I was like, and if you had just kind of led, gone into lean too much, not, not saying that everything neo-pagan is bad or not good, but if, if I had just leaned into what people had might be writing on internets or blogs, they'd say, well, the Blue Jay just wants to be your friend. The Blue Jay, <laughs> the Blue Jay is obviously a, an ally for you. And I'm like, but if I look at the land spirits and I look at my ancestors, what they would say 
I don't think that's what they're trying to tell me. I think they're trying to warn me that something pretty nasty is on its way from hell. Literally, what happened to Oregon was... Mm. But it also, I think, because the Blue Jay has a benevolent side, I think it's saying, but you're going to be okay. And we were okay. We didn't have to evacuate. Um, we obviously didn't lose our home. And so many people lost lost so much of that. But I... I don't think I could have read that omen as I had if we had not had the conversations that we had about land spirits, about following ancestry, and that I really appreciate the way that you break down um, practices that you've learned from your ancestral traditions and saying, here's a way to approach magic in general that doesn't involve, like, say, copying from me, but you can still do things that have the same, you know, that that have the same outcome, you Mm -hmm. know, but you can just do something that's a little more appropriate for your region or your background. And you even wrote to us, um, with, a with a suggestion for a woman who was trying to protect herself. You're like, this is what we do in, in um, from the Mongolian tradition, but you can absolutely do this because this is not secret. This is not anything that you can't do. And so I thought that was great. Yeah, no, that, that, um, little bit of ceremony, that was actually exactly what, um, elder shamans in Mongolia did uh, in in April when the pandemic hit New York the hardest, and that's mm. actually it. We, we didn't tune in live through Zoom because you know signal to that remote area is not great. But it's something that we had all times, and we actually had done together a bunch of people um, in that uh, area in Mongolia, as well as uh, other people in Europe and North America, uh, and. And yeah, I didn't want to reveal so, so much that it would like leak any um, cultural secrets. But I, yes. I, I feel like what I had re- released is like simple enough things that are not, yeah. you know, it, it's like borderline like that you can do this. And it's it's not something that it, I, I was trying to dance around the word obvious because it's not so obvious, but it's simple things. Um, right. And, and actually, and I'm I'm really uh, happy to hear that story. It's um, the thing with the land spirits is that, um, and even in the North Asia regions, while people generally do honor the land spirits, they are low key also terrified of disrespecting land spirits because the wrath that they can bring, such as yeah. you know fires uh, or floods, is honestly quite terrible um so so over there there's always a consciousness about not only how we treat the land how we um treat like literally the uh the plants and the animals around us the funny thing with animals is their idea of animals and animal spirits is a little different from from the west and i i do it, it will sound a little harsh so i do want to add a disclaimer they do consider animals individually to be below humans in the sense of spiritual power spiritual hierarchy but that being said animals are um like humans um essentially properties of Earth of the land spirits, they belong to the land spirits. And so what can often happen is with these animal um, signs and animal sightings, um, if it, if there is a spiritual motivation or spiritual intent behind it, what that means is that land spirit has in that moment either sent that particular animal or possessed that animal to, in order to relay a message to us. So in that's in that role, they, they almost have a stake. They play a sacred role that we cannot actually harm so which is why there's like ceremonies behind hunting and fishing and everything um but but yeah because of that 
that there is a, a lot of respect for animals, even though there is no worship of animals, because animals in the sacred sense are just representatives of mm-hmm. the, the earth spirits. There's actually um, one thing that I learned just recently is that uh, when when people, when spiritual people become ancestors and ancestral spirits to the next generation, uh, oftentimes, uh, if the person is buried um, out in nature, which means they're not in a casket, uh, whichever animal actually breaks the, the circle of the pelvic bone actually becomes the uh, spirit animal, almost like a familiar, but um, okay. ancestral familiar to to the person, to the to their spirit. So essentially, whenever they appear for their descendants, it will often be relayed or through that animal. That makes sense because I think I think the recognition that these that these moments are nuanced. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. like maybe it's fair to say that they're complicated and that they're just not every animal is there. I feel like the the Western idea of animals. Um, being just like every animal spirit wants to be your ally. It's like, <laughs> that's not true that's, at all. That's not true. <laughs> and that's also just kind of goes with the same mentality that has really harmed our relationship with the environment is the thought that everything around us is meant to serve us and right. is, it is exists only to help us. And there may be times that they do. I mean, I, I like if people have come across an injured animal in the you know the woods, an injured duck or something that's not going to harm them, they might take it to a vet and, or animal control. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's great that they were there, and maybe spirit led them there. But their entire existence was not to help that animal. But it right. seems as though people seem to think that animals' entire existence is to help us, and that's just not that's just not true, you know. <laughs> That's almost like that semi-colonial like path of thinking. Yeah, I, I would say it's full-on colonial path of thinking. It's everything <laughs> is meant for us and is is grateful that we are absorbing it and chewing it up and, and turning it into a you know a cesspool. That's like no, that's not true at all. Um, well, I, I won't take up much more of your time, David. I'm really grateful that you made the space. Um, I just, you know, what do you have coming up? I, I know there's some secret projects you're working on. And I know you can't tell folks, but what else can you, um, what else do you have going on right now? Uh, right now it's just, um, it, you know, just laying low. One, one thing that I will reveal, cause it's kind of, it, it's somewhat of an open secret is that I am doing more writing. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, I, I am doing more writing. It's the the part of the reason why um, their secrecy is because I don't know if it'll go anywhere. Um, but right. I am I, I am on the computer typing up a, a lot of um, a lot of words. And right now, it's I'm in a in almost a place where even with um, you know continued lockdowns and with, with the pandemic and everything, I feel like I have been more active in connecting with, with more people, uh, ironically, right. It's, um, connecting more pe- with more people, learning new things and also learning new teachings. I've, because everyone's in lockdown, I've actually been able to, um, talk with more people who are directly from, um, North Asian traditions or people who have spent significant, amounts of time there to sort of increase my own teachings. Um, mm-hmm. and one, one last thing I want to just say with the animals, and I think this is something that's really beautiful. It's kind yeah. of a little bit of a segue is that most of the time when spiritual people 
do spiritual work, we're calling out to spirits um, to come to us. In the cases when we are out in nature and we come across these animal signs, uh, or it's clearly an animal doing something unusual to get your attention or in your attention, that's one of the rare times when we are we we don't have to call to the spirits to come to us. They actually have come to call to us, um, mm-hmm. where we don't we, we don't have to do the work of ceremony and ritual to get to them. They've already are coming down to us. The, of course, the, the polite thing to do is all whatever offerings or whatever you have on hand that can be offerings to give them. Um, but that's actually a, a great time to do prayers and to ask for, for blessings after you do the offerings, because you, it's not a situation where you're trying to get their attention. They're trying to get your attention. So you, so you got their attention. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So that's, that's something I did want to share about that. And that, only just I only know that and came to that little bit of uh, wisdom and insight be- is because I have been recently connecting with um, traditional shamanic practice practitioners from uh, from sev- several of my ancestral traditions, um, mm-hmm. and and yeah, so that's kind of the things I'm working on right now. I know that in 2020 I've done a lot of online teaching. Actually, it was after our last conversation on that witch life that I actually did um, appear on several online classes where I taught some things from my traditions. And one one of the questions that was asked of me uh, is that, is there currently a resource on the, just a basic resource on the different types of traditions in North Asia? Like they all have similarities, but is there a sort of a breakdown that like there's this group of people and then there's that group of people. And in my head, it, I was like, hmm, this, there is not, the answer is there is not, no, but this is something that I really wish uh, I had uh, six years ago. Um, So that has been something that I've been thinking about a lot. And it's something, it's part of sort of the, um, the mindset, the thought process I have with my current uh, writing projects. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically an untapped opportunity there that I've been thinking very deeply about. Um, so otherwise just on the, um, on the spiritual aspect, I guess that, that th- those are really the big things. Um, hopefully, uh, I'll, we'll see some fruition. I, I, re- I know I wrote a post on Facebook that like with the 2020 year, I've been putting, I've been laying a little bit more of a foundation for sort of the next phase of my spiritual life, my public life, even my professional life, because, you know, I turned 30 last year. <laughs> um, so going to my 30s. So, uh, hope, so, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic, uh, that by the end of 2021, I will have done more classes. I will have con- connected with more people, uh, exchanged, um, teachings here and there. And, um, and yeah, I, I think one of the things I mentioned on one of the, uh, I, it was at Witches Fest, actually. I think we both taught there. One of the yes. things that I, one of the things I had expressed is one thing I hope to do is be able to, uh, have more of a connection being built between some of the Western spiritual and magical traditions and the ones that I come from. Cause right now there are communities that are extremely separate. You would think that there would be overlap from people, for example, of people doing traditional shamanism versus people doing witchcraft. I, 
in reality, there is no overlap at all. It's completely different people who have no idea who each other are. Um, the, the only way that there is kind of sort of, but not really an overlap is that in the Western traditions, there are people who practice Western harder style core shamanism. But in reality that that has not too much in common with uh, traditional um, shamanism, um, tra- shamanist traditions. Um, if anything, people in traditional shamanism actually very much look down upon people in that uh, core shamanism school. Um, so, so what? So, one thing that I hope to be able to do is during my time in New York, as you know, I've sort of attended a lot of different things, made a lot of, done a lot of networking, made a lot of connections with a lot of people in some of the Western tradition. So, I hope to be able to be something of a or make something of a bridge or a connection between these communities. I'm not sure how much will actually happen, but you know, wouldn't it be nice? You know, I think you're doing remarkable and I think that you're doing remarkable things. Um, So where can people connect with you to find out about, you know, future classes when you're writing, when it gets published, not if, but when. Um, So where can, can they, it's, you know, last it was Facebook. Is that still the best way to follow you? Or have you got some other social media platforms that you started? At the moment, it's still Facebook, but I am okay. in the process of building um, other social media platforms. I technically still have an Instagram, which um, I do plan to expand, uh, and I do plan to make some additional pages on both Facebook, maybe even um, Twitter as well. I'm not sure if I'm brave enough to handle the TikTok world. <laughs> but, um, yes, I'm trying as well on that one. Yeah. So, so, uh, right. So as of the moment, it's still primarily, um, Facebook and actually several okay. people have reached out to me, um, after our last conversation and I do reply back. Sometimes I'm a little slow, but I definitely do reply back and several people have reached out to me uh, with questions and I answered them. Um, so for now, um, that's still, that, that's probably still the best way for now. But if there are additional ways, I will probably make that announcement on my main Facebook anyways. Okay. So. That's good to know. Well, um, it is a shame for your sake that um, this pandemic has locked everything up. Cause I remember you were very good with gambling magic last time you were in Las Vegas. <laughs> so um, I, I was going to ask you about that. But I'm like, no, I don't think anybody's going to casinos right now. No, um, people are. That's what's scaring oh, me no. is that people are. Oh, David, don't let that be you. As good as you are at gambling, please don't go. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm not. I, I'm definitely not. It's, I mean, I, I know that since like around Thanksgiving, they, that's when they, they put in the 25% capacity and I'm like, you didn't do that earlier. Um, yeah. yeah so yeah, I, I'm not going to be doing that. It's, <laughs> I'm a little rusty on the gambling magic. I actually did that a lot when I was in Hong Kong because Macau was just a stone's throw away. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Macau's the big gambling city there. And that's where I really honed it. I know I, I, in Vegas, I only tried a couple, like once or twice. And I think I got like three, $400. So, you know, nothing substantial, hey, that's but a car payment. that's a car payment for most people. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Well, David, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me again. And, uh, I miss you. And when this pandemic is lifted, I hope you come visit me and my husband up here in the Pacific Northwest and we'll go, uh, we'll go explore some magic and, um, uh, have some good times. 
Yeah, I definitely re- really want to try. It's especially since more of my family's out here out west. Um, yeah, yeah I, I miss you too. I, I really want to visit up there and see you again. Yeah, come on out. We'll go crabbing. My husband just bought crab pots, so we'll teach you how to crab if you don't have never been. I, I, I have been crabbing before. Oh, okay. I do know how to crab. All right. Well, then you're you're seasoned at it. All right, friend. Well, um, thanks again. Please stay safe, and thanks for uh, coming back on today. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much. I love David. <laughs> I feel like David is so, um, well, I love his energy because it's very, like, it's, it's like to the point, but also very kind at the yes. same time, you know, it's like, he does not, uh, like he's very like straight into the point when he, when he brings up topics or if he's giving advice, but, but I think he does it in such a like kind, gentle way. Um, and I just think he's so insightful. You know, yeah. I, I also loved the recounting of the bee singing you on the ass story because, <laughs> because it's so, so funny. Uh, but also I, I loved the reminder. I mean, I know it, you guys talked a little bit again about, um, you know, how we often want to, especially in, in Western society, we want to like make animals be a thing every time. Oh, I saw yeah. a deer. So it must mean this. Oh, I saw uh, this because of this. Oh my gosh, I saw a salamander. It's for sure a spirit where I'm like, not always. And it's a good reminder that we want to look for things and discern that, like discern between them. Uh, whether it's something that is just like, well, yeah, we live somewhere where you're going to see a raccoon sometime. Right. Or if that the setting it's in or something about it is unusual. And so I loved you talking about the blue jay feather. I thought it was just like a really good example of, you know, of a reminder of, you know, part of getting those messages is being really in tune with your surroundings and understanding what is relevant and what just, what is just a deer walking across the, the grass. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's such a grounded approach. And, and, um, I think that having, having a bit of, I don't want to say skepticism because um, I don't feel that about David's approach, but I do feel like there's a, he has a very pragmatic approach to what he does. And I don't think that being pragmatic makes things less magical because, because then when those moments really are clear that something wonderful and spiritual has happened, it makes them all the more meaningful. One of the things I thought was really interesting with all of our interviews was because we didn't we never we didn't talk about what we were going to talk about right with our interviews we just kind of all said you know hey pick pick who really spoke to you and and interview them one of the things that I thought was really interesting um that I noticed kind of flew through all the interviews was how did you how did your magic we all kind of asked the same question which was how did your magic change or what did you do magically in the last year with all the crazy that was going on and one of the things that was interesting to me was so many of the answers were that people leaned into their magic yes and and that was something he mentioned how he really kind of was really getting into more more deeper levels of magic and I thought that was really interesting because that was, although we didn't like discuss that, that kind of cohesively came through all the interviews. Right. That, yeah. that during this time, one of the ways that people kind of got through it was to really lean into their magical practices. Yes. 
Yes, absolutely. Um, so I was just really thankful that he came back and spoke with me and it will not be the last time he hears from me, but hopefully it will not involve a wasp stinging my ass. But I mean, but for us, for our entertainment, maybe it that's could. A, that's the, that's, we would that's just the like to be there so that we can film it and put it on the YouTube. Why do you want to take away our happiness? Like right? just let us be happy with it's a wasp. It's actually you very easy to take your happiness away because you get annoyed easily. So there we go. <laughs> Anyway, before oh. we get to before we get to um, remember one time Kanani was angry about my shoes. She didn't like the shoes I was wearing, and she just kept saying your shoes make me angry. And she was stomping around Hillary's house. She was in a really terrible mood because she didn't like my what? shoes. I vaguely remember this. I, I mean, I, I believe you, hundred percent. It sounds like something I would do. I'm just trying to remember why I was angry about your shoes. I mean, it's funny because I responded as though I was shocked, but like, I don't know why I would be shocked by that. I have these awesome shoes that are, they look like a steno notebook. One shoe looks like the black and white cover. I hate those one, shoes. The other one looks like, <laughs> the other one looks like a lined piece of paper. And I love those shoes. They're so shoes. cute. Everybody hates them, but Kanani. She goes, your shoes make me angry. And oh, I'm like, they make me angry. <laughs> oh my God. Everybody loves those shoes. Why are you such a hater? I hate those shoes. <laughs> Because they, first of all, they don't match, which wigs me out because I'm just like, that's part of my like needing things to be paired and like organized and and nice. And I'm just like, no, no, no. (laughs) See, now I'm upset. You've upset me. Before we get to your interview with Onwen, we did have a listener question and says, hey, y'all, I'm 16 and confused on where to start. I've never been a part of any type of religious or spiritual stuff, but I've always felt that I might be missing something and I needed to do something. After digging deeper and listening to other people's stories, including you guys, I've come to a conclusion that I want to be part of the community and dig deeper into finding out what I can do. I've had dreams that can tell the future. When I got my first deck of tarot cards and did a reading on myself, I'm not sure if I did it right or not, but the reading was definitely what I was thinking through at the time and it freaked me out. Even though, even if I didn't do it right, I still think my dreams try to tell me something and they become more constant recently. And I've always, and I've almost been having dreams every night. So my question for you guys is what books should I look for to get started or some tips for my dreams, like what I can do to make them go past just small conversations. And how can I break the news to my dad without him losing his mind because he's dealt with a girl like me in his high school days who can use her dreams to tell the future and it's freaked him out ever since. LOL. So <laughs> if I so I'm trying to think of what I would say to 16-year-old me because I think your 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 start and my start were similar. I had I actively sought religion and I had some sort of kind of background, so I I we don't share that, but kind of that uncertainty and trepidation and and dreams and things like that. That's all stuff that was very similar to me. My advice to you, which is still my advice to me that I don't follow, so no harm, no foul if you don't listen, but <laughs> journal. My advice to you would be to write down your dreams because right now they may not make sense or there may not seem to be a pattern. But if you write them down for say a year and then you look back the next, you know, a year and a day and you kind of go through and you look, you may find that certain dreams that you kind of thought were very innocuous or just, you know, just kind of a boring old dream actually 
uh, was telling you something or predicting something that was going to happen in your life, you might find a pattern to the characters that appear in your dreams or the topics right. that appear in your dreams. So yeah. my first advice, cause you're talking about what you should read. My first advice to you would be honestly for you to be writing down what you're dreaming and what you're experiencing, or if like you have a little premonition to write it down. Um, yeah. One of the things I think that we all do together because we all practice is I don't necessarily write it down, but I'm always, I always tell someone, Right. Cause yeah. I don't want to, you know, later say, oh, I knew that was going to happen. Well, if you didn't tell anyone, then they're all just going to think you're crazy and making it up. But, you know, write down those little fun premonitions, things like that. Um, and then just kind of explore, just see what you like. Yeah. But that would be my first advice is, is keep a journal. Yeah. I totally second that because I think that, I think that writing things down, I mean, and this is true of other like magical experiences or weird happenings that you've experienced because sometimes you'll see patterns, right? You'll like, you see something and then something happens and you start to be able to relate to that imagery with a thing that's going to happen, right? So you're like, oh, when I see this in my dream, it usually means this. So you kind of get to start to break it apart. The one thing that I would really recommend is, so have a journal by your bed, write your dream down before you get out of bed. Yes. As soon as as soon as we get up and start to to do stuff, we're going to forget maybe some details that are really important. So, I would say have that journal there before you even get out of bed while you're still in that kind of like groggy state. Write down even if it's just notes, you don't have to write pages and pages, but notes of of like I saw this, this happened, I heard this, and I would pay attention when, you know, if you are able to to be lucid in your dreams and kind of uh, pay attention when you're in those dreams to what things smell like, what things feel like, what things look like, what the textures are, because all of those also are things that can be impactful beyond just, I saw a dog or I saw whatever it is, you know, like it's good to, to pay attention to, to try and pay attention to all of your senses in that dream as well. And also don't worry if your dreams are just short conversations. Sometimes yeah. you know, the most meaningful dreams are. That's that's fine. And it's funny because I actually don't usually remember my dreams when I first wake up. It's usually like a couple hours later, something will happen that will bring the dream back to me. So, um, it, you know, but I think I, I just, my heart went out to you, especially at the end when how can I break the news to my dad without him losing yeah. his mind? Okay, so... You're 16. Your dad should know where you're going. You should be honest with him about where you are and who you're with. Um, you should be honest with him about where he can reach you. You should be honest with him about your grades at school. You don't have to tell him that you're having dreams that are coming true. Um, if you decide to to go to a, a pagan gathering at some point, please take an adult with you. Um, and your dad should know that you're going. So I, I do not want you to consider going and, and joining a group without your dad's uh, knowledge and, and, it, and, and permission. And if he's not okay with it, you're going to be 18 in two years. I know that yeah. seems like a long time, but it's not. But when it comes to having dreams, your, your dad does not need to know what you're dreaming about. No. Um, so you don't have to worry right now about breaking it to him. And, and that's okay. Like my parents get freaked out about my premonitions. So I don't usually tell them either. They don't need to be freaked out. That's not information they need to have. Right now you're in a really lucky spot because so many conferences, 
meetups, gatherings are virtual right now. And of course, obviously, please be cautious. You don't want to connect with weirdo strangers online and give them any personal details. But there are conferences that you can attend um, or, you know, videos that you can watch that you can attend, that you can kind of learn from that don't, you know, that don't require you Exactly. And, going to a conference. Yeah. And as for books, honestly, good juju, Naja Lightfoot's book would be a Ooh, great place really to start. It's really good. Yes, yeah, I agree. Place to start. So good luck. And, um, you know, this is a lifelong process. You're just at the beginning, so there's no need to rush, but uh, keep your journal, read Naja's book. Um, yeah, taking an online class is a great idea. Your dad doesn't need to know about your dreams, but he should know who you are seeing. Yeah. So do keep, do tell him that. But uh, you don't have to tell him about your dreams. That's fine. So, Kanani, why don't you remind everybody who Anwen is? Anwen is. So I was I was super excited uh, to have Anwen back. Anwen Avalon is a water witch, water priestess, and the founder of Triscale Rose Witchcraft, an Avalonian witchcraft tradition. She has devoted her life to the study of art, witchcraft, and magic. She is an initiated witch and priestess, Reiki master teacher, award-winning dancer, published author, and has a BFA in sculpture, BA in anthropology, with emphasis on plant and human interactions, and has received an apprentice certificate in herbalism. She writes for the Magical Times magazine in the UK and has contributed to other published works, such as The New Aradia, A Witch's Handbook for Resistance, She is also the author of Water Witchcraft, Magic, and Lore from the Celtic Tradition and The Way of the Water Priestess, Entering the World of Water Magic. You can visit her at waterwitchcraft.com and waterpriestess.com and triscalerose.com. I remember I was super bummed because when we had you on, I remember that we, I found out at that time, I found out you're kind of, you're local, you're in the Oregon area. And I was just like, oh, cool. This is someone I can totally hang out with. And then it's like, oh, no, you can't. Just kidding. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. It's so crazy with COVID right now. But so what have you been up to? Oh, I've been really, really good. Um, Actually, this is wonderful timing because uh, Water Priestess released this week. So awesome. Yeah. So I've kind of this week I've been like trying to focus on that um, and keep myself focused uh, on on those kind of things rather than, you know, world and political events. Um, But uh, yeah, so it's been really great just kind of um, having spent the the last year doing my edits and having it sent in and then the period of wait before the release. Um, And so, yeah, it was, it came out this week and it's um, really excited. Um, and besides, and what's the book called? It's called The Way of the Water Priestess. The Way of the... I'm going to have to check that out. I actually, a friend of mine, I, I messaged you, a friend of mine uh, and I are looking, you have actually a class that's coming up too this spring, right? Yes, yes. Um, the nine-month water magic course. It begins March 1st. That's awesome. Yeah, I think, you know, maybe one of the reasons that your interview really kind of stuck with me was kind of even, even pre-pandemic, but um, especially during, during all this stuff, when everything was locked down, my parents live in Seaside, they live by the ocean. And so they're kind of the only people that we would see 
because they didn't go anywhere and we didn't go anywhere. And so we would quarantine for a couple of weeks and then we would go visit them. And so we did a lot of, uh, a lot more of back and forth of that than we would usually do. So I actually spent a lot of time, uh, kind of at the ocean. It's mostly if we weren't home, we were at the beach. And so a lot of, um, I did a lot of water magic and just kind of spending time meditating by the water and just kind of trying to use that energy to just kind of keep me grounded and, and somewhat sane. Right. I know through all of this. Um, yeah, I'm very lucky that I have water all around the rivers. You know, they're here. Um, every other corner is, is a part of the river or a creek or something. And so I've been spending a lot of time actually um, a little bit south of Portland out in the country with the rivers. But there really is nothing like the Oregon coast. Uh, it is amazing so amazing and there's it's rocky and so we don't get a lot of shells but there are so many amazing treasures to be found on the these beaches anyways hagstones and uh, sand dollars and all sorts of amazing tools to work with um, that the ocean can give us Um, but there is something oh just so powerful and grounding about the pacific waters as well there it's so different than the Atlantic and it's it's cold but it's got this deep dark power to it and not necessarily dark as in like a negative thing I don't think that I think it's more of like the depths of the ocean the mysteries um and just kind of that fierce power of of what the the water can do um can crash and build and create and destroy. Um, and I really see that in the, the Pacific Oceans, where I feel like the Atlantic is this warm, um, especially in the southern parts, um, it's so warm and inviting. Um, but uh, yeah, thank goodness that we have this beautiful body of water out here to be able to work with. Was there any kind of, did you notice, did your, did your magic or your practice uh, change at all? Or did you have kind of different focuses? Did you notice kind of during all of this? Yeah, there, there was, um, a lot. In fact, one, one of my focuses, uh, was refocusing. Um, and that came right around, um, the Pacific Northwest fires that happened in September. Um, that sounds, that feels like a million years ago. It does. It really does. But the crazy, not that long ago. No. And the crazy thing is, is I, I still haven't recovered from it. Um, our property, uh, was missed by 150 feet. We were evacuated. So most of the big evacuations started um, on Thursday, Friday that week. But um, for some reason, uh, one of the fires uh, started just right on the road um, that parallels ours. And uh, 40 acres were burned. And they, I went from watching my friends in Salem be like, oh, I think I have to pack to being evacuated from my house like three hours later. And so we were in a hotel for a full seven, like six and a half, seven days. Um, And so during that time, there was a big focus for me on water, of course, the just the healing power of water and um, 
the protective nature as well. And um, I mean, luckily, I am a magical person. And so I have magical family. I have magical friends. And this was an interesting period because I'm usually the one that's like, it's okay, I've got it. You go deal with your mundane life and I'll do the magic. And this time it was, I'm calling in every magical favor. Can you help me save my house and my chickens? Um, and, uh, we, yeah, I had several people working and I was printing out fire maps and working with those and, um, just trying to do grids of protection and, um, bringing rain, you know, I mean, the whole West coast needs rain, not just our area, but, um, I also got to connect with, um, my Creek in a much different way than I ever had. Um, sometimes I feel like I have a deeper connection with the river, um, up the road rather than the Creek that runs through my property. And for some reason, I, you know, I really couldn't figure it out. I thought, oh, maybe they're just not happy with me or, or maybe they just don't want to be my friend because that's a thing too, right? Not every spirit wants to work with a witch, um, but I, I was like, that's all right. I will, I'll just keep doing my work, keep doing my blessings, keep doing my protection magic for the water. And the night that we evacuated, I had this crazy dream. Well, first off, I think I stayed up till two in the morning, like watching just news, fire maps, the Twitter accounts of the fire department, just you know, I had neighbors on hills near mine that could see my property texting me like, you're still okay. Um, and uh, these, these, uh, these three spirits came in this dream. I was seeing my house and I was seeing the creek. And these three spirits, they came from the opposite side. So the creek, not on my property, um, but they kind of came through um, the, the little tunnel where the water flows and up, and I, I saw them just create this bubble of protection around my house. And I, you know, part of me was like, okay, this is a, a dream. Part of me was like, this is spirit contact. Um, but it really wasn't until I got home and I saw like how close the charred trees and, and wildlife was. And then I talked to actually one of my magical friends um, who lives up on one of the hills and uh, she was letting me know that they'd been watching my house and her partner came out to say like, yeah, like I was watching it and it was 150 feet to the property line. And it's really interesting because the rest of the fires were moving in this like Northwestern direction. But for some reason, the fire that started on this parallel road to us decided to move in like a South Southern direction towards my property and um, there was just these this overwhelming sense of like panic, but then this like underlying sense of like everything's going to be okay. And um, so I saw this in this dream. And when I got home and I got back into a regular practice and I got grounded again and unpacked. And I mean, it took a while because we came back, but the, the skies weren't clear for two more weeks. Um, okay. I couldn't breathe the air. No. Oh, no. I was, I was boiling like so many herbs. Every herb that I could get my hands on, I was just boiling them and breathing them in and using the medicinal steam magic um, and, and to just 
help clear our lungs out. Um, and I had no idea that smoke sickness was a thing. And I was so frustrated because I was like, okay, like I have so much work to do. Places are still burning. I have spirits to thank. I have people to thank. And I was like really getting disappointed in myself. And then I read an article that was like, if you're experiencing all of these like illnesses or different effects like nausea, um, lethargy, not being able to think, then it's probably smoke sickness. So once that was actually finally recovered from, um, I could actually get back into a good practice and I got to connect with him again and like really understand that, no, this wasn't just a dream, that these spirits are, they're very quiet. They're, they're Jane Roki, they're local spirits. They see you. We see you. That's, you know, we see you and we see what you're doing and you're cool, but you're, we're going to stay over here and you're going to stay over here. And we'll help you out if you need to, you know, in this dire situation. Because they're like, you're doing good work. So, you know, we're trying to make sure that your home stays uh, intact so you can continue doing this. And uh, that was a huge wake-up call for me at that moment. And I thought, you know, it's been a long time since I've organized one of the worldwide water blessings. And I had kind of had, back in July, this idea that I would go ahead and start them up again. I thought that the winter solstice would be perfect. It gives me lots of time to hype them up and to get coordination and to get people on board. And we would go out on the winter solstice and we would all place a grid on our own local bodies of water to pull in healing and protection for the land. And um, I just, I couldn't wait anymore after that whole thing. And I was like, we're going to do it now. And so I did the first one um, in late September. And it was, it, it was just, it was really nice to, to do it again. Um, and then we did another one in, um, we did another one on the actual winter solstice. And then we'll be doing another one um, on the equinox. So four times a year, um, these they, they started out as this worldwide water witch blessing where we were going to get as many water witches as were working in their local environment, whether that is Australia or New York or Arizona or England, doesn't matter. We're all going to meet on the same time and we're going to go out to the physical water and we're going to do magical work that benefits the water and that benefits the local landscape. And, and we did these for a long, long time. And then, oh, just life happened. And, you know, I forgot to put one up. And then the next thing you know, you forget to put another and six months goes by. So um, it was a really big refocus on these collective water blessings. And so I changed the name and now it's just a worldwide water blessing because I work with both water witches and water priestesses. Um, some people don't identify as a witch. And so um, I took that word out and trying to make it very, very inclusive to all people that walk a water path. Um, and that's also something I think that this year I, I really had a big breakthrough with is it really isn't about a pagan water path or a witchcraft water path. It's really about this path of water where we are like in service to the water within our own framework. And as soon as like I started really kind of having these, these uh, understandings that, that this whole water path was greater than, than what my path personally was, um, I, 
opened that up. And, and really what happened is I started getting people from all different types of paths, um, Christian witches or just Christian mystics and um, those that were like walk maybe more of an atheist type of magical path, shamans, I mean, just druids, just all of these different people. And the thing that brings us together, the one common thing is the water. And there's, there's just not room for us to have this big separation of factions within this water magic community. It's really about kind of coming together and building it so that in maybe a hundred years, there are different, you know, factions. Um, but there was a really big return for me on what can we do as a collective that can change and benefit nature, the natural environment, the, the water, the plants, the land, local spirits, in a way that helps to preserve um, and and not just preserve, but bring attention to the pollution so that we can have clean water. I mean, water should be a human right, and there's a lot of, of us working magic so that we can have people that don't have access can get access to clean water. Um, and so it's just this really big kind of overwhelming um, idea that there's so much work to do and there's so many of us um, that if we can come together and weave these different paths of, of water together, we can really put together this amazing network and tapestry across the planet that's uh, basically a water grid across the planet with different magical folk in different locations um, and there's power in that. Collective magic um, is just, oh, it's, it's so powerful, um, especially when you're working on a grand scale. So we'll see how it goes. You know, these are, these are grand ideas. Um, but I'll tell you what, they're, they're coming together. It's amazing um, to just hear uh, how many people are, are interested. And with Water Witchcraft coming out and then Water Priestess coming out, I really am meeting a lot of amazing people from all paths. Um, and actually, this is a great time to mention that I do run a blog series that's called An Interview with a Water Priestess. And basically what I do is I find different people. And by the way, if you're a water priest or if you're masculine, you are not excluded. We will frame an interview with a water priest. Um, and basically I... I go around and I, I, I look for these people that are connected with water in some way, or sometimes they find me, and we do an interview so that we can get the information up on the internet so that if there is somebody out there looking for someone that does sacred work through a Christian mystic perspective or through a more shamanic perspective or through a more um, uh, mysticism type of perspective that these uh educators or leaders or, or um, sacred people have their work available um, to others and the others can find it. So um, yeah, if I, think that's, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. So um, got a couple up there and I'm always looking for more. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's my goal to really um, solidify water magic as uh, an actual 
legitimate path. And I, I think it's le- legitimate. I absolutely know it is. Um, but when I say that, you know, I think that we have this huge emphasis on green magic, right? Like you can actually walk up to a group of witches. If you're a witch, you can walk into a, a group of witches. And if they were like, oh, what's your path? And you said, green witch, there would just be a knowing like, oh yeah, got it. Okay. We know exactly what you do. Um, but if you say water witch, they kind of look at you like you're cross-eyed. Or, you know, like, what are you doing? Like, what, what? What? Yeah, what does that mean? What is a water witch? Like, you do dowsing? And I'm like, well, and that is the term that was used as far back as the 1500s to find water. Um, absolutely. But, you know, the term water witch, I actually started using it because at the time, so I I'd, I'd lived by the ocean, the Atlantic Ocean. I uh, lived in Japan, um, and so I and the Gulf. Um, so there was all of these these very beachy sea connections, and I identified as a sea witch. Of course, if you're by the sea, you work with the sea or sea witch. But what happens if you're landlocked or you live in the mountains and you only work with the spring? that doesn't make you a sea witch. So I started really looking at this and like kind of being like, what does, what is this? Well, if there's kitchen witches and there's green witches and there's this type of witch and that type of witch, and if there can be a sea witch, then there can absolutely be a water witch. Um, and so, you know, started using that term and it's really kind of cool to see so many other people be like, Hey, I think that this is what I am. Um, and, uh, the community is really building, and that's, I think, the most exciting thing. I think I think the other thing, too, is, like you said, a lot of people don't actually live by the sea, and so maybe they do find themselves, you know, more drawn to the water aspect of magic, but they didn't necessarily uh, kind of vocalize that because they just thought, well, you know, I don't really work with the sea, so I'm not really a sea witch, even if most of their magic was water-focused because it just kind of broadens the term, which just kind of opens the umbrella to, you know, anyone who's practicing a form of magic that just involves water. Mm, yeah. And like you said, some people are landlocked. Some people don't have, you know, oceans or lakes nearby or rivers nearby or things like that. Well, there's still other ways that you can practice water magic. Exactly. Yes. Well, tell me about your new book. So what's going on with this new book, Water Priestess? Oh, yes. Okay. So Water Witchcraft is all about witchcraft. It has spirits. It has witches, folk tales about witches. It has magical tools. It has things from the sea. It says how to use different waters, all of these kind of things. And uh, so when I wrote Water Witchcraft, uh, funny story, I was contracted for 5,000 words. 50,000 words, excuse me, 50,000 words. And it was my first book. So I had no idea that, you know, if you send in 91,000, that they won't be happy. So that's what I did. And it was really funny because my editor called me and, and was basically like, hey, how many words are you supposed to send? And I was like, well, 50. And she's like, and how many did you send? And I was like, well, 91. Like, I thought you'd be happy with all the extras. Um, and she was like, no, you have to cut it down. So I had to go in and I had to really look at what was going to be in Water Witchcraft and what wasn't. And so having taken out a large chunk, I had um, this material, this 30,000 words of material that I really wanted to get into another volume, but it sat there for a while. 
And then I just really got struck. And I, I don't know really how to, to say it other than that, but it's, it's like procrastination, lethargy, so many other things to do. Got to do my laundry, got to vacuum. Oh, yeah, I wanted to write that book. I should, probably should have started six months ago. And then just boom. Like one day I just woke up and I was just struck. And I sat down and I started from scratch and I started writing about before the water witchcraft, before the traceable folk magic, what was there? Well, there were women or sacred people that connected or were somehow um, in service to um, the water. And so I started really looking at Avalon. And so that part didn't make it into water witchcraft. So that did make it into the new book, which was perfect because now we're looking at um, sacred feminine service rather than um, water witchcraft. And so I started looking at the old temples and I started looking even at, at the Oracle of Delphi. Did you know that she would bathe in the springs, the magical sacred spring before her oracular work, or that there's a, a group of academics right now that are studying Apollo's temples and how they're oriented with different risings and settings of the constellation Delphinius or the dolphin. Um, so I started putting all these puzzles together and it started like blowing my mind that this path of water went way far back really far back, um, cup bearers and um, priestesses of antiquity. Now, sadly, there's a lot less, there's a lot less information than is kept in this folkloric practice or that we can trace from folk magic in the 1800s. So it was partially doing academic research, partially um, putting in my current work and kind of what I had been doing. Um, and so I took this idea of sacred service to the water and I studied temples that were dedicated to water goddesses or temples that had a sacred spring or things like Aphrodite's cult um, and started looking at just this idea of there was, there was temples or buildings where sacred people would be in service to the water. And whether that was a water spirit or an actual physical water didn't matter. Um, and I, I wanted to know, well, how, how does that look like in a practice? And I just started then comparing what these ancient women were doing or these ancient people were doing in comparison to my current public priestess practice, which my priestess practice and my witchcraft practice, I actually, uh, they overlap, but I see them as two separate things. Um, because in, in witchcraft, it's very much about hands-on, where, um, and, and water priestessing it is too, but it's just a different perspective and a different approach. Um, and there are many people throughout time and even in modern times that have this deep call to work with water in a sacred way. And so I have lots of sacred bathing in there. We talk about how to create altars and shrines. Um, I expanded it um, deeper into shrines from water witchcraft. Um, we talk about how to cleanse the temple. There's like a ritual uh, format in there so that, hey, what if you want to do a circle in your city 
where you bring your participants to a river or a lake, or even if you're just in your living room and you're going to do a water ritual, how would you set that format up? What, what would you even do? And so I started looking at what I had been doing and how I'd been practicing publicly and was like, look, this, this could be adapted for other people. Other people could use this as a framework for their own. And so that's really what this is, is helping to just give a foundation and a framework so that other people can start their own practice. And it's a non-denominational or non-path specific approach to water priestessing or sacred water service, sacred tending of the water. And in the conclusion of Water Priestess, I actually wrote um, that I have this, this vision, this desire, um, just this heart's desire that before I pass from this world, that there will be at least 9,000, 9,000 working water priestesses across the planet, making their rivers sacred, making the sp- their spring sacred again, the ocean, doing things like beach cleanups and establishing um, churches or sacred organizations that help the water. Um, you know, we saw with Standing Rock and a lot of the pollution that's been happening over the many years um, and a lot of the, the hostile takeover of, of water because of the, the oil companies, And there was so much that I wanted to do and be part of. Um, I wanted to be a water walker. Um, But at the same time, I knew that pagans, witches, magical folk, needed to have our own framework to walk alongside our indigenous brothers and sisters from around the world to support their efforts um, and to really turn our eye to the sacredness of water because we forgot Yes. We, we forgot that it was Absolutely. sacred. And so this is really kind of what it's about. Um, nine, the number nine plays a really big factor in this book as well, because one of the things that I found while I was researching was the number nine kept coming up over and over. The Oracle of Delphi, Apollo, Apollo's muses, nine muses. The nine maidens well in Scotland, the nine uh Avalonian water pre- or nine Avalonian priestesses, the uh, priestess from the Isle of Senna. Um, so there were these groups of nine, the nine mill maiden, the nine daughters of Ran, the Valkyrie, they fly in groups of nine. You have the nine maidens of Anun that kindle the cauldron of rebirth. And um, so there was all of these groupings. These sacred women often lived in groups of nines um, or somehow were recorded to be in these groups of nine. So that plays a big factor into this book as well. And I, I pull all the little details and um, there's also a strong um, uh, section on oracular work, um, reading things like bones or scrying. Um, so it's scrying with water, stuff like that. So um, it, uh, it's a guidebook for the water magic practitioner, um, and it's my hope that it really inspires others to use it as a foundation and then from that create their own amazing thing um, that's focused on water. So, Well, like you said, you know, water, I mean, we all require water to survive. Yes. So water is not only 
in us at all times, but it is, it is imperative to our survival. And that is something that unites pretty much all people and all plants and animals. And, you know, so water is a very kind of, uh, unifying force for everyone uh, for all times. Yes. So I think, you know, kind of like you said, you know, you can go down so many rabbit holes because there has never been a time in our history where water was not critical to our livelihoods and civilization. Yes. So I think that's, I think that's cool that you are really kind of trying to tap into that and, and kind of look at a lot of that history, because like you said, I I agree with you hundred percent, you know, uh, most people have, have forgotten how sacred water is. I mean, we buy it at the store in plastic bottles. You know, we don't, we don't go to the well every morning. That, that stopped that process of the morning ritual of going to the well to get the water. We don't do that. We just open, you know, push, push open your tap or grab a bottle at the store and we forget that there's a source, that there's spirits that dwell within these sources. Um, and we basically have just begun manufacturing um, water or these plastic bottles for it. And, you know, it's amazing too that we can't go without water for three days. You know, at three days, if you haven't had water, that, that's it. Um, and we're full, you're right, of 70 to 80% water, just depending on how hydrated or dehydrated. And we've really kind of moved into this place of water as a consumer product. And it's not. Because if you think about how much water is in your body, that can't be bought or sold. And it shouldn't be. Um, and so we really have to, to turn our eye back to the sacredness of it. And that means the sacredness of the water in our own bodies as well. Um, and there is, Water Priestess has a section on, um, or there's an underlying, I should say, theme of self-care and self-understanding and really learning who we are um, and trying to remember these, these old practices. Um, and that's actually something that... Uh, I have on my website, it's, it's time to return to the water temple. That's fantastic. Well, I can't thank you enough for joining me for this. And I am just hoping that some of this craziness can calm down soon enough that you and I can maybe go take a little beachy trip together or something, or go hang out by a lake somewhere and I would have ourselves that. some water fun. Oh, that would be so wonderful. Yeah. I mean, oh, I hope. I really hope it's soon. I thought that it was, I thought we were going to be back to normal by September. So I don't have a really good gauge on when this might be, but I'm crossing my fingers it's soon because I would really I'm love hopeful to for that. summer. That's what I've, I've got my fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And uh, do you want to go ahead and tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes. Uh, the best place to find me on social media is going to be Instagram. And you can find me at at Anwen Avalon. And um, my websites are waterwitchcraft.com and waterpriestess.com. And you can actually get copies of my books, signed copies of my books off of Water Witchcraft right now. And Water Witchcraft um, has the nine-month water magic course coming up. And 
if you happen to be interested in anything that I said about water priestessing as a path of service and really kind of stepping into that that sacred service priestess mantle, um, I have water priestess training um, on waterpriestess.com. There's actually a free intro course, which is just, it's meant to be fun. It's meant to get you excited and to actually get you to go out to the water and do a public ritual, uh, whether that's just solitary public or um, with other people. And uh, then if you like that and you want to go deeper, I do. Uh, I have a paid section that we we dive deeper and we uh, you actually I make you learn how to do things and then I make you learn how to create your own version. So I go through like the first section is like grounding and shielding. I give you exercises and you have to memorize them and do them. And then the last part of the the section. You have to make your own water grounding exercise or your own uh, water shielding exercise. And so it's, uh, it's really cool because it, it helps people to forge their own path in water. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And like I said, you're, I had so much fun when we had you on last time. I'm super excited to hear that you have a new book coming out. And I am super hopeful that sometime this summer, you and I will be able to hang out and get some uh, water witchy stuff on. I would love that. And thank you so much for having me back. It was really great talking to you again. Absolutely. I was so excited to have her back. Um, I think we, we yeah. all have discussed my sea hag status and <laughs> my yes. love of water. So it was really fun for me to be able to talk to her. I had forgotten that she was evacuated Same. during the I fires. felt like such an I, asshole because I didn't realize I didn't even know. But I mean, that sto- her story about that was really powerful and how a good example of how to utilize your ma- magic in a crisis. Right. Yes. Right. And I just thought that that was like it's it's something that like. I think it's sometimes easy when we're like, it's chaos and we're freaking out about something and we're worried that we start to, we forget how powerful our magic is. And we're like, well, I need to do all these practical things. I need to, you know, and then we forget that like our magical, our magical, our magic can be pretty practical also, you know, that it is a a thing to rely on, a way to ground and a way to affect the, the situation to go in a way that is helpful and useful to us. I love listening to Anwen talk because her voice is the most soothing voice of right? all time. Like I want her, right? I want her to read me bedtime stories. Like, yes. I'm like, I want her to read me the phone book. One of the things that I love about talking to Anwen is she is so clearly passionate about what she does. Yeah. And it's intoxicating. You know what I mean? Like you just can't help <laughs> to just be like, fuck yeah, clean water everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, she's just, she's so passionate about it. It just, it's, it's exciting. It just, it, yeah, it was, it was really fun to talk to her again. It is true. Cause Kanani is slightly less dead inside when she talks to Anwen, <laughs> not fully less, but slightly moving into the mushy territory here. And that like, you know, two years of making a podcast with my two best friends is my 16 year old, witch's dream come true. Right? And I didn't even know what, a, we didn't know what podcast we didn't know what the fuck then. that was. But if somebody had said it's like a radio show, but it's also a television show, I would have which been- is still what which is still what Courtney tells me, by the way, <laughs> to help me understand what we're doing. It's like radio, but it's not radio. And people in <laughs> Australia will listen to you, Kanani. You like Australia, don't you? I do. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 
to be able to reconnect on this like deep level with one another and to like grow an even larger friendship with Kanani who like I've known, but like y'all were best. Fr- you know, it's like, it's like when one of your closest friends has a best friend, you're like, Oh yeah, you're so-and-so's best friend. Right. right. And so <laughs> it's really been amazing to get to know more of Kanani as well than I already knew and hilarious and inspiring. And so and terrifying. Exactly. And definitely <laughs> terrifying. I mean, as Courtney said, the ability to talk to, I mean, I just feel so lucky. We are able to talk to some of the most amazing, inspiring, magical people. And it's like every single person that has come on has impacted my practice in some way or another, you yes. know? The thing that I think has meant the most to me is that for as long as pretty much my daughter has been alive, once you start becoming a parent, you know, that's who you are. That becomes your identity. And at least it did for myself. And I've heard other, other people speak to it as well. You know, when you go pick them up from preschool, well, that's, that's so-and-so's mom. That's so-and-so's mom. Like you're no longer, you have no name. I think it's a little odd that you named your kids so-and-so and so-and-so. And I, I know. Well, you know, yeah. It's good for I, that's, her. It keeps her on her know. toes. Oh so and so one and so two with Kanani's kids. I feel like I have been more myself and grounded more back into what do I like? What do I want to do? What am I interested in doing in a way that I I had I had not been for the eight years prior because I was completely focused and fixated on helping community, doing things for community, doing things for my family, doing things for my kids. And and that was very much where my identity lied. And so I feel like for the last two years, I've somehow kind of crawled back this sense of self that I didn't even necessarily know was, was missing to the extent that it was. And so for me, that's, that's been the most exciting, exciting part is I feel like a person now. Think of all the movies you've seen because of this podcast. The so many. Movies you never dreamed of wanting to see. Like, my Stupid God. Movies. Like, what? I mean, what world would it be like if you hadn't seen The Wicker Man? You know, so much better. <laughs> so, so much better. Oh, yeah. So many shitty movies. <laughs> Well, anyway, this is oh my this has been the longest episode in the history of that Witch Life podcast. Uh, it's true, but ultimately, it's it's really you know a love letter to our listeners who um, keep coming back and keep uh, supporting us, and um, it does feel like we've got this this immense, like our little circle, the three of us has turned into a circle of 3000. Now we, we don't know what most of you look like, but we feel you in our hearts. And I know. So is this where we wanted to tell everybody that we're not going to do the show anymore? Yeah. This is where we let them know that this is our last episode. We all know that that's how I will find out someday, right? It'll be like, hey, by the way, did you read the email I sent? No, I didn't read the email you sent. Oh, well, I'd let you know this is the last episode oh we're going to do. Oh, my God. It is not the last episode. 100%. That's how it'll go down someday. It is not the last episode. We're gonna, Actually, that's how the world's going to end is that Kanai's going to be like, no one told me the world was ending. We're like, well, the probably is- didn't you get the email? No, I didn't right? get the email. Not his, she's she's going to be like on her phone. She's like, that's- yeah, no, I wasn't. I wasn't. I didn't read it. So. She'll, she, she's going to be like, what? She, you, you'll be like Kanani. Like, and she's I like, saw what? it, but it was long. So I deleted it. <laughs> anyway, oh no, it is not our last episode. We are still making this podcast. Um, and we just really want to give a thank you all so much for listening. Um, 
Uh, again, you want to support the show, best way is to subscribe and spread the word um, or leave us a rating or review us on Apple Podcasts. Um, you can also buy us coffee, check out our merch in our Etsy store, makes Kanani's day. And for bonus content, become a supporter on Patreon. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For show notes, audio transcript, or to ask us a question for a future episode, go to thatwitchlife.com. Until then, here's to another year of moting that shit. Talk to you all next week. Laters. Bye. So mode it be. Maybe that. Oh, that's a good idea. And Kanani, Kanani actually has liked the movies. The listeners have have suggested. Also, our listeners. It's like actually, that's not. That is entirely you, true. You I like have liked. Li- I think every listener recommended movie. It is the horse shit that Courtney makes me watch. <laughs> <laughs> that I want no part of. Because she, I think you're right. I think I have liked all of the listener suggestions. Because they'll even write me and they'll be like. Courtney wants you to watch this. You're not going to watch this. Or they've written to me. They're like, why did you make her watch the Monty Python movie? You knew she wasn't going to like it. Fucking coconut movie.